Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, or as many of you now know him as Mad Dog Manny Aurora, when he stops into the Golden Scissors studio, he is the best when it comes to criminal law. If you got any troubles and you need somebody, reach out to the Aurora Law Firm. TheAuroraLawFirm.com, all right? Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide. Now, if you got a question for Manny when he pops into the Golden Scissor Studio, you can call our hotline at 404-369-3825 or shoot us a message from our website, PodcastTheBS.com. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the Square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc., Offering virtual sessions. If you can't get to the Georgia stops, the website, markwelltherapy.com. Again, markwelltherapy.com. Inspect All Services offers a wide variety of services to protect your home or business year-round. Covering all the Atlanta metro area with their industry-leading products and services since 1984. Inspect All Services provides a wide range of home services, from crawl space encapsulations to provide comfort and improve the quality of air in your home to attic crawl space insulation with an Energy Star rating to keep you cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter. So, if you're tired of that musty smell coming from under your home or just simply want to save some money on your bills, then give Inspect All a call today at 770 770- 483-2420. Again, 770-483-2420. Make sure you mention the BS. Why? You're going to receive 10% off your home services needs. Inspect all pest services. 770-483-2420. <laughs> Want to come to a party? The Bailey Show Podcast presents podcast. And pours to Halliversary, Saturday, October 29th, starting after the UGA game at Tannery Row in Beaufort, Georgia. Live music from The Verb Pipe. I won't be held responsible. Also, the all-veteran band, Distinct Grace, a live DJ, a live recording of the BS, and two Halloween costume contests, totaling $1,000 in cash prizes. Dollar Store. Less is more. Halloween costume contest. $40 early bird ticket price while they last. And $100 for VIP, which includes free food and a drink. Join everyone from the BS Network as we celebrate Halloween, the one-year anniversary of the podcast, and Bailey getting fired. That's what's up! More details and to purchase tickets, go to podcastthebs.com. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. (laughs) (laughs) It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Dude. 
Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. Hi, there it is. Episode 95 of the BS, the Bailey Show podcast. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissor Studio, sponsored by Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. Watkins Law Firm. Dot LLC. Wrongful death. If you died wrongfully, call Tyler. Personal injury. Ouch. Call Tyler. Landlord tenant disputes. Dicks. Call Tyler. So much stuff. Uh, trial and litigation attorney. Watkins Law Firm. Dot LLC. 770-648-4009. The master masturbator. The nader tater. Darth Vader. I change it every time. I know. <laughs> There in uh, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Hello, Nate. Hola, buenos dias. How you all doing? <laughs> good. Good, good, Sorry. good. My wife just came downstairs and gave me the, you're an idiot eye, because I had texted her and I said, hey, babe, can you find my water jug? And it's actually behind me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. This is on me. This is my fault. This is not your fault. This is my fault. I'm sorry. I got a new little setup here, so sometimes things get lost. There is the extremely beautiful, oh-so-talented, uh, over-the-top, vivacious. Over-the-top, yes. Nikki D, right there. Yes, yes, yes. I like over-the-top. Mm-hmm. I'm we, extra. We need to get you a sparkly shirt that says Vivacious D. Yes! <laughs> I'm going to work on that. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the fastest way to Nikki D's heart is just to say anything that has her involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You need to get a wig with a ponytail. <laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> anyway. All right. Oh, what am I doing? I can't put this away because I got all the details. This is what everybody's waiting for. So let's uh let's 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 announce let's make the big announcement. You know what? I didn't even I didn't even put together a little drum roll or a, a thing. I don't think I have one of those. You know, if you guys want to do one for me, I guess I can do it. <laughs> I can only do it for so long, though. I'm going to have to restart. Okay. Yeah, don't have it. Anyway, Podcast and Pours 2, Halliversary. Uh, if you are a premium 2 percenter or a subscriber to the newsletter this past weekend, you already found out the information and have probably already purchased tickets for our big event uh, on Saturday, October 29th. It'll take place at Tannery Row in Buford. 554 West Main Street in Buford uh, used to do a lot of events out there in, in the early days of the radio show. Uh, fantastic management, fantastic building. Uh, they really saved my ass, our ass, and we we owe them greatly for putting on this event because it almost didn't happen. Oh, and I can't wait to put my makeup on and my scary costume because I always like to be scary. All right, so here, here's here's all the details. First and foremost, we have a headlining national band handpicked by Moa, and that is the Verve Pipe. Fun. I mean, wear my Verve Pipe shirt today. Can't be held responsible. You fell in love in the first place. On the love of me. Oh, so excited about this. I, I see. I love, love the Verve Pipe. I developed a relationship with Brian, lead singer, a couple years ago when they were in town at City Winery. I've kept in touch with him. 
and I said, you know, the whole goal I've always, I've always, the things that we're doing with this po- podcast, um, are things that <laughs> over the years in the radio business, I've been wanting to do, I've pitched ideas. I mean, and it just, it always fell flat. It was like, they said we couldn't do it. Yeah. And that always bothered me. I'm like, yes, you can. I can do this. And I'm now just proving my point. That's why our hashtag is better than radio. Because all the things that we're doing, radio used to do. And radio still could do if they want. But if you sat in any meeting uh, with at least the ones that I've been in the last past, the past eight years, I, I kid you not, this is a true, uh, this is a fact. Instead of the first words out of anyone's mouth in a meeting on how it can be done, it was always reasons why it could not be done. And that drove me insane. Drove me, and it would come from like the oddest people. Like, dude, why are you even talking? You do production. Shut your fucking nerdy mouth. You know, (laughs) and it's it's like, it has nothing to do with you. Like, shut up, do your job. You know, so um, that's why we're able to do these things. We're a podcast putting on a, a, a Halloween party it's going to be huge with a national band, the Verve Pipe, uh, which is cool, right? That's awesome. Isn't that great? Round of applause for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have an applause, man. Yeah, you guys are going to have to, I got to get it all on the wall. <laughs> also performing uh, will be our friends in Distinct Grace. They're the all-veteran band, you know, yes. uh, great guys, great party band. They actually have a new CD that's uh, it's either out or coming out they've been in the studio and it's really good and my friend's on it right yeah i did your did it did yes. that work out yes she okay. recorded and everything with them so chuck uh chuck lunsford the lead singer uh, has been a very very good friend of mine for a very long time and uh and and, and they agreed to do the show and whatnot but we're gonna have him on the podcast uh, leading up to this and so when they got the final mixes for a couple of these songs one in particular which is an honor that he, he calls me and he says, hey, I'm going to send you these, these songs. Will you listen to them? I value your opinion. I was like, that's really cool. Thank you. And this is their blood, sweat, and tears going into this work and money. So he sends it to me, and the, the song, um, name escapes me, but we'll, we'll bring up the story again when he comes on. It, it, like, I'm listening to it, and it's a good song. It's a really good song. Kind of gives gives a little bit of the... Kid rock, rock and roll, Jesus kind of feel, you know that that kind of southern uh, southern rock, bluesy type of th- thing. But there's this part at the end where I felt like it could have a little bit more umph, and I was like, "You need a black female choir type of voice." And he goes, "Do you know where I can find one <laughs> in Atlanta? No." It's, it's funny you say that because that was my response. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Nikki D might know. And so I, I called Nikki right afterwards and we connected yeah. them. So I think she might be on the album. So anyway, Distinct Grace will be performing. We'll have a live DJ as well. Um, everybody from the BS Network will be there. So we'll all be there. Nate is flying in from Mexico. Nate will be there. His wife will be there. Tiger might even be there. Who knows? I don't know. We'll do a live recording of the show like we did at Podcast and Pours 1. That'll be early in the evening. So uh, the, the timing, here's the deal. There, there's a big UGA game that day, right? They show the UGA game at Tannery Row. They will be having a watch party for the UGA game that starts at 3.30 on the Saturday, that Saturday, October 29th. You are more than welcome 
to go and watch the UGA game and then just stay afterwards. You'll just have to show your ticket, which brings me to my next point. This is a ticketed event. This is a Halloween party, right? Uh, it's $40 presale. And that goes for a limited amount of tickets. When those tickets are gone, if you see it go up to $50, that means we've sold a limited, that amount of tickets that we released for $40. So if you go to podcastthebs.com, there is the link. It'll take you there. You purchase your tickets. You also have the option, while supplies last, limited amount of VIP tickets. Those are 100 bucks a pop. You'll have your own special section, really cool section. This is like filled with tons of couches. Uh, you'll have free food throughout the evening, and um, you'll also uh, get a free drink ticket. And we're trying to add maybe a little bit extra into that VIP package, even though I, I don't really think we need to, but, you know, I want to make sure everybody's taken care of. So, good so far, everybody? It's great. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. All right. There's gonna nice be, work. There's going to be things added to this, I promise. Two Halloween costume contests. There will be the OG Dollar Store. Less is more. Halloween costume contest. Uh, so that's that's from the radio show. It was actually before I even came to Atlanta. I was doing this bit. Um, we'll get more details on this here shortly on how to participate. We'll take a limited number of people, uh, two percenters that want in on this, and we'll do it in the podcast form. I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. And then there will be just a normal Halloween costume contest. So at the end of the night, when you're there, if you want to participate, you come up on stage and, uh, you know, well, by applause, there will be $1,000 total in prizes, so 500 for each that you can win. Um, I, I think I'm just going to do a winner-take-all. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, maybe for runner-up or something, I'll, I'll give you some BS merchandise. We will have some really cool BS merchandise available to purchase there. Uh, I'm looking to... Build Tannery Row is so huge, and what they've done over the years to this place is absolutely incredible. But uh, once you know, you've got the the main area where we'll have the concert, the stage, and the party, and this and this and that, plenty of places to get your drinks. So you don't have to worry about waiting in lines and whatnot. Then on each side of the main area, <clears throat> one of the sides and it runs parallel. It's huge. Is where we're having the VIP, and it's like I said, just tons and tons of couches, so you can just chill and and do what you got to do. Then there's another side that's even bigger that will be open to everyone, and I want to make that into a vendor village. So we'll have merchandise. uh, Distinct Grace will have a table. The Verve Pipe will probably sell stuff. Um, Any of any of the sponsors that want a table in there, you know, and you like that's a good idea. Yeah, and Mad Dog Manny wants to be at a table Mm -hmm. and wants to say hi to people. Just get a hold of me. Uh, and, and there's going to be sponsor packages. Yeah. And those sponsor packages will include VIP tickets. So That's nice. And they don't have to be a current sponsor, right? It can be any company that wants to be a part of it? Correct, yeah. there. I have one in particular that uh, is, is not right now, um, this quarter. They want to sponsor the show, but this quarter they can't do it, but they definitely want to be a part of the event. And that was the other problem that I was having before, truth be told, is I had all these sponsors lined up. I, I mean, I, I, everything was done. I mean, it, it was the original idea has been changed a little bit. <clears throat> the verb pipe has stayed the same, but I, this is my personal connection. My relationship with not only Brian and the verb pipe, but also their management, who has been tremendous. And this has been going on for months because we originally had a different location with a different partner. 
And I just kept getting strung along and strung along and strung along, you know, and I'm not going to throw them too much under the bus, but it just got to a point where I was like, dude, we're, we're, we're like a month out. I need to, I, I, you know, we record in advance. So it's almost like everything that we do, we have to do a week beforehand. So, uh, we got to get this shit done. And it just kept being pro, uh, procrastinated. And I was like, I, I'm out, you know, and then I got on the phone and just started reaching out to people in my network. Uh, and they were all fantastic. And, and then some people, you know, like that we're not using for this event or we're not partnering with, I should say for this event, they want to do things for future events. So I'm already, mm-hmm. you know, planning podcast and pours three going into next year. I've got a really cool idea that almost came to fruition before I left Orlando. I actually wrote it out and everything, pitched it to the top to the top of the House of Blues. They loved the idea, and then I left Dodge. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just takes a few dollars and uh, an audience. You know, we got the audience. Bada boom, bada bam. Yeah, so got anything on that before we move on? I'm very excited about this. No, I'm excited too. Nikki, you already know what your costume is? No, but I've already reached out. I was I was telling Bailey this earlier. Um, one of my good friends, she does killer makeup. You know her. She used to work with us. Mackenzie. And, yeah, and every year I've been trying to get her to do my makeup. So I reached out to her again, and hopefully me and her can come up with, like, a killer concept outfit makeup, and it'll be great. Or I'm not going to be friends with her no more. <laughs> I'm not going to be. I'm sure nobody you. asked her to do their makeup. I'm sure that you're the first request she's got. No, every year she has a something going on why she can't do it, and this is it. Yeah, this well, that's what I mean. Chance. I'm sure she has like what, like millions of followers on TikTok now. Yeah, she's probably get. She's getting a lot of requests. I'm sure. What are you going to? So hopefully, she remembers where she came from. What exactly. You, what are you going to do, Nate? Are you going to you going to bring an OG costume that uh, Duff Beer guy from Mexico, or are you going to figure something out when you get in the states? Yeah, I'll figure something out. I sold that one already when we moved, but I still have like a tote of um, of like my pub crawl stuff and different costumes and shit um, in my storage unit in Atlanta. So I'll go and grab something out of there. Okay. Well, you know what I do for Halloween? Yeah. I, I, I mix two different people. You know, one year I was Willy Wonka Nelson, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've been Garth Vader, like from Wayne and Garth. Yeah. That was awesome. And Rach was Prince uh, Slave Leia. Oh, so hot. Uh, and so I've had some really good costumes over the years. SpongeBob uh, Ross. SpongeBob Ross. I think last year we had people over at the house and I'd just gotten fired. And I was Steve No Jobs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> we had already planned this Halloween party. And the, the good thing to come out of the Halloween party is we didn't invite one person like previously before I didn't get fired. And I was like, I was, I, I wasn't worried. I was like, it's going to be awkward, but I just don't want this person at my house. And it's like, they're just going to have to understand, you know? Um, but then I got fired. That, that was like the, the, the exciting thing. I was like, Oh, got out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yes. that's, that's why this is called Halloversary. You know, each one of the podcast imports too will have a name. This is called Halloversary, one, because it's for it's a Halloween party. And this is when we're doing it. The Saturday, you know, of Halloween, that's that this is when you party, right? You're gonna have to you're going somewhere anyway. So this is where we're going. Uh to uh Tannery Row in Buford. It's also the one year give or take anniversary of the podcast. We started it uh, right when I got fired, and it's the one year anniversary of me getting fired too. 
So we're celebrating all this in one night for a mere $40. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> Woo. With a big national band and an awesome party band and a live DJ and us. You know, so and you could co- you could you could leave actually up with the money that you win, you know, or the prizes that you win, because just like podcast and pours one, I'm almost for certain that people will reach out and want to say, hey, I want to donate this. I want to donate this. You can give away this and give away this. Well, plenty of stuff to give away. So podcast the dot com. That's where you're going. Uh, podcast the dot com. All right. We're good. We're good. One more time. Hold on. Dollar store. Less is more. Halloween costume contest. <laughs> ah, missed that guy. Didn't miss that guy. All right, 40 things you should do by the time you're 40. One, go to Podcast Imports 2, Halliversary. That's <laughs> number one on this list. Um, but, th- you know, th- we live in a time where people are finally doing things that they've always wanted to do and not let work get in the way. This is the first time that I've ever seen this happen. I mean, there's been one-off people that have done it, and they were called crazy. Um, But now with the attention that mental health and mental illness uh, has been brought to with that, those types of things, and people finally calling out corporations and bosses, and it's this is a you can call it what you want, the Great Resignation. You can call whatever you want. It's a revolt. That's what it is. It's 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 a revolution of of the low man on the totem pole saying, go fuck yourself. That's what it is, um, because people are just over it. Now, I'm not saying that every single person that's saying this is justified, not not by any stretch of the imagination, because there are a lot of whiners out there. They're like, oh, it's too much. I don't get paid. You know, there, there's there's a fine line between not being justified and being justified. Right. Um, but there are a lot of people that are being justified. With that being said, it was interesting when I ran across this article, 40 things you should do by the time you're 40 is because, you know, 40 is kind of that, you know, I'm 47. Nate's not 40 yet. Uh, Nikki is not 40 yet. I'm definitely 40. Are you really? I am. You don't look over 21. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, my birthday was January the 24th. You turned 40. I did. Oh, okay. so And I went to Cabo. I was there. Yep, Nate oh, was there. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was the Cabo <laughs> trip. Nate was there. <laughs> Nate, Nate, Nate traveled like I've never seen anybody <laughs> travel before to go and see you. <laughs> he took a bus. He took a moped. He took a bicycle. He took a rickshaw. He took a he skydove. He did all kinds of He spelunked. <laughs> he scuba dove. He did everything. He did. That's right. Uh, so they, they, they made it easy here. They put it under categories. And they pulled about 2,000 people and ask them to name things you should accomplish or at least strive for by the time you hit 40 years of age. And the article broke down the best ones under five categories. The first one is relationship stuff. So feel free to jump in and tell me, you know, yay or nay, you've done it, or you definitely should do it, or it's not that big of a deal. Fall in love was the number one answer overall. So you should at least fall in love once, like I'm assuming, by the time you're 40. I've done it twice. It's overrated. It's overrated. Okay. Well, Nate obviously is how many times you've been in love? Oh God, I don't know. It's it's hard because you know, when you're younger you think you're in love and then you realize it's just just hormones and uh and puberty and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. But I've only been married once, so I'm gonna say once. It's <laughs> a good answer. <laughs> I'll say the same thing. <laughs> but you've been married twice. Uh yeah, but 
I didn't love her. It's oh. that's. I mean, that's what I'm supposed to say. Oh, so, okay. But that's not true. I, I've loved many. I've, lo- <laughs> I've loved many a woman, and rocked them all. And, and I've rocked them all. <laughs> no, no, no. I've loved many of women, and they've all broken up with me. <laughs> they all have left me. Uh, but also have a one night stand is under the relationship stuff. Everybody by the age of forty should have a one night stand. You agree with that, Nate? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Nikki. I've had a one night stand. Well, I know you have. I'm not asking that. I mean, that's obvious. Everybody knows you're kind of a slut. I'm not a slut. Are you crazy? I'm sexually liberated. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) But you would agree for others by the age of their 40s. Yeah, I think you should try it. Yeah. I think it's needed. Mm -hmm. And one night stands are not bad, you know, for for either sex. I mean, as long as it's done... Right. I mean, I don't want you to have a one-night stand if you're married to somebody. That's kind of no, a dick no, no, move no, no, no. or you're going out yeah. with somebody. But if you go out one night, like, I, I, I have a theory that if you're on a first date and you're just, there's chemistry there, and you know when there's chemistry there, have sex. Because that's going to tell a lot about how the relationship's <laughs> going to go. I would tell women this all the time. It was kind of a pickup line. I said, look, I'm really attracted to you, and I think we have something, and this is going to work. We should go back to my house and have sex. I mean, I'd say it a little bit differently, but, you know, and and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work. And sometimes it backfired on me. You know, one girl in particular, you know, it was the sex first and it was, it was, it was wild and crazy kind of thing. And then we went out on a date the next night and it was awkward. And she goes, yeah, this is kind of weird. I don't think this is going to work. I was like, okay. It's like, can we go back to last night then or the night before? Uh, have your heart broken before 40? Yeah, I think that's good. I think it teaches you how to deal with loss and overcome your feelings and, um, depending on whatever the breakup was, but I think it's good for your, um, your development as a human. Yeah. It, uh, uh, for those that have not had their heart broken and you're listening to this right now and you're like, shit, I'm going to be 40 next month. I need to go out there and find somebody to break my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Getting married by 40. Nah, you don't have to get married by 40. I think it's a good move. Because I'm a a fan of getting divorced at least once. Yeah, I don't think you need need to be married by 40. um, Because I I do think you should wait. I, I think people that get married in their 30s, 40s, or later are happier than people that got married in their 20s. I mean, obviously, there's outliers for all of this, but you don't really know what you want in your 20s. So I think you should definitely wait. So even if it's after 40, I think that's okay. All right. And have a kid by 40. I definitely think you should have a kid um, before you turn 40. Just because I had my daughter a little bit later in life. I was almost 30, but I felt like now I've gotten through the raising kids. I'm going into my 40s. She's leaving soon. I have the rest of my life free. That's that's mine and Rach's theory, too. Yeah. You know, Rach had kids very young in her life. Like, you know, MTV television show young. And, <laughs> and then, you know, I step in as a stepdad. <laughs> You know, so I don't have any biological kids of my own, but my, you know, my, my kids are my kids, right? I love them to death and they look at me as a dad and, oh my God, Ariel's, uh, you know, she's a senior this year and they did this video that was eh, produced, but it was like a bunch of pictures and then they have her voice and and have her on camera. It's their senior video Mm -hmm. and she talks throughout it. She's like, I just like to thank my mom and dad for teaching me. I'm sitting here and I'm, did I tell you guys the story and I'm crying? Yeah, you told us. Oh my God. I'm sitting here bawling and Rachel's behind me and I'm like, 
<laughs> and then Ariel comes downstairs and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, <laughs> and, and I didn't think she knew I was crying. She goes upstairs and her friends are up there and they're like, uh, what's going on? And like, uh, my mom and dad are downstairs crying over my video. <laughs> and one of her friends was like, Jason's crying. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, so that's good. You know, we're going to be an empty nester here soon and we're still young and, and mm -hmm. we can enjoy, enjoy our lives. You know, it's uh, also for health reasons for women more. Yeah. That you should have it before 40. You want to be able to move around with your kids and play and, and not be but old. I, but I think more women are having children later in life because they, they're they so... Uh, Career-driven. Yeah, career-driven, job-centric, yes. And they're like, I'm just going to push it off and push it off. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to a point where that biological alarm goes off. Yep. And it shakes them, and they're like, i got to get this done. So they either have a kid, try to have a kid, or adopt an Asian baby. One of the three. Uh, <laughs> career stuff. 40 things you should do by the time you're 40. Earn a degree. Yeah? I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. I think I don't think everybody needs one. Um, and a lot of people start their jobs. People don't work their job for 40 years anymore. They, they go through five, six, seven different career changes sometimes. So sometimes you need a degree um, when you're older, if, if that's what you want to do. But I don't think you, you have to. There's lots of people that don't have degrees that have happy lives. I have a degree. I have a BS uh, in, in journalism. <laughs> or no, it's act, yeah journalism. That's all they offered at the time at UCF. And I've not once had somebody ask me about my degree or see my, you know, it's like you think that people, you're supposed to take it with you and you're like, you look at it. I don't ever taken it. Nobody's ever asked me about it. I, I, I got it framed when I graduated UCF in 97 on this mirror type thing. And it's, I've had it with me ever since and nobody's ever paid any attention to it. No one's ever said, congratulations. Good job. Now I'm a big believer in college. I'm a big believer in degrees it's more or less just a feeling of accomplishment because I had a really good time getting that degree. It's a, it's yeah. a feeling. It's more of a life goal than anything else. I have a buddy that my, one of my best friends, Jeff Retro, he, we actually graduated together. We, we walked together. We were there together. We graduated together. He in his, he's almost 50 now. He's a year older than I am. He went and got his music degree just because he felt the need during the pandemic, he wasn't working because he's in the, the, the service industry uh, business. He was like, well, I'm going to do something to better myself and life after this DJ world, which might be coming soon. Who knows? He needs to find something else. So he bettered himself and went and got a music degree. I was very proud of him for that. I thought that was very cool. And what is he going to do with it? He could teach music. Oh, okay. That's what that's what you do when you get a degree. You teach whatever it is you've learned. <laughs> what do you mean? What are you gonna do with it? You know, roll joints with it. I don't know. There's plenty of people that have degrees. They do nothing with them. They don't work in the fields. They don't do nothing. They just have a degree. Well, that's what we're saying. I don't. Nate doesn't. Nate's got a degree. He graduated from UCF. Well, yeah. I mean, mine's in digital media, so I kind of do something with it, but not what my specific track was. But nobody's but, hired uh, you and said, "Hey, can, let me see your degree in digital. Uh, pr <laughs> prove that you have a degree in digital media." No, I mean, I've needed a degree to, to get certain jobs, but they, they didn't ask for proof of it. it really, honestly, I tell this pe uh, people this all the time when they're asking, like, well, what, what college should my kid go to or whatever? I'm like, it really doesn't matter unless they're going to Harvard or Princeton or something. You know, a degree from, you know, Utah State or a degree from UGA doesn't matter as long as it's in the field that you're going into. Reach management level is the next one. 
Um, I don't think so. Yeah. It all depends on what kind of job. It's like if you decided to work at McDonald's your entire life, and I know some people that have, and they're making six figures yeah. and they're mm-hmm. good, but they're like, you know what? I don't need to be in corporate. I like to stay in the in the in the, in the, the war zone. I like to, I want to stay on yeah, flies. But your friend uh, that's a manager of the McDonald's that he's a manager. It's I, I think what they're getting at is you should learn how to oversee people at some point in your life, which I kind of agree with. I mean, I guess it all depends the person, what kind of job you're doing, but I think there is something to be said to making you a well-rounded person to be able to manage people and do it well. Leadership skills. Okay. I'm a big fan of that. Well, I've accomplished this. I'm the president and CEO and founder of Bailey entertainment, LLC. Also the president and founder of Graham's purse, LLC, which carries the, my core caddy. Okay. So I've reached management. You have. Now self-proclaimed, but I still have reached management. Do you know that I'm being <laughs> semi-offered a management position at my job I just started? As long as Dang. you can record with us, you can take the job. <laughs> <laughs> you need to talk to me about these things. I do. You, you accept it. <laughs> and what kind of perks will the rest of us get? <laughs> Uh, this is one I totally agree with. 40 things you do by the time you're 40. Get fired. Absolutely. <laughs> do whatever you can to get fired by the age of 40. You need to know what it feels like. There's a saying in the radio business, you have not been in the radio business if you have not been fired. Uh, the first time stings. You feel worthless. You feel like a failure. You feel like you'll never get another job in radio. That's not the case. Uh, I think it's the third or fourth time that that actually is the case. <laughs> I guess I've never been in radio. I've never been fired. Uh, yeah. I, fire, I fired them. Yeah, that's right. You did. I'm moving to Mexico. Bite my ass. Don't, don't worry. I'm sure there will be a day where I get back into terrestrial radio and I'll convince you to move back because I'm going to make sure you get a lot of money and you're going to take it and you need a shift in your life, a little change, a little tweak, and we'll work on getting you fired when you get that job. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> uh, another on the career stuff, uh, start a business. Uh, so here's the thing about that. I've always wanted to be a business owner, you know, and I've tried it numerous times and I've failed numerous times and I've succeeded uh, numerous times. And I'm in the progress or process, I should say, of certain, this is a business for me. You know, I'm self-employed. The My Court Caddy's a business. The Airbnb stuff's a business. I've, I've always wanted to be in business for myself. You know, I even would like, I always look online at at, at different things to invest in. Like I would open up a Nuber T type of place, testosterone maintenance. A buddy of mine during the pandemic, uh, he's in the restaurant business. He went and bought a lab that does COVID testing and flu shots and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, you want different streams of revenue in your life. The the goal in life, as far as finances go, and any financial advisor will tell you this, you have to find a way to make money in your sleep. You know, you want to wake up the next day and look at an email from your bank saying blank amount of money was deposited while you were sleeping. That's That should be everyone's goal. You just have to find a way to do it. I agree with that. I've never wanted to be a business owner in the sense of running an uh, everyday operation. But if I could do some type of investment that will earn me money, I would like to do that. But, but see, this is where you are a business owner because you do the stuff online and you make money by doing that, whatever it is that you do. You're, you're, I mean, you should LLC yourself in order to when during tax time, you know, because there's things that you can write off um, with that business. 
You know, and now more than ever, people are in business for themselves. I mean, you look on, on YouTube and all these all these social media influencers, they're LLC. They're, they're, they're in business for themselves. They're the president of their own company. They are investing in themselves. And companies used to do that. Companies used to invest in the people. And that's that's totally changed. They just want stormtroopers that nod their head yes. And people are sick of it. Uh, and, and so they're like, I'm going to, but when you work for a company and you try to go in business for yourself or something else, they'll always try to put a wall up in there for whatever reason. I had that happened a million times over. Oh, you can't do this. Why? That guy does it. Well, you're not him. Okay. Well, contract, maybe next contract. We'll talk about it. What's well, two and a half years from now. You know, I want to talk about it now. No, you're being difficult, Jason. Now you're suspended. <laughs> well, I just, I, was trying to, I was trying to have a conversation with you. That's all I was trying to do. And that's been an actual conversation a couple different times with management. Uh, and Nate, you're a business owner. You do uh, websites for people, you know, on your own. You know, right. you, you, you technically, and you should be LLC'd as well. Because within that LLC, there are, th- there are things that you can write off. You know, the, the, the Trump administration changed the tax, the way, the way your taxes were done. And what they did was it sucked because uh, in this aspect of it, as if you, if you worked for a company, you couldn't write anything off for that company anymore. But if, you, if you're self-employed, you can write off the world. And, and that was the big difference between his, his tax thing and uh, Obama's tax thing. And, and so, you know, that's why you see a lot of radio personalities doing podcasting because it's the same exact thing. And what we could write off in the radio world, which we no longer could write off, we now could write off in the podcast world. Mm, makes sense. Just like any artist, musician, comedian, during vacation time, they go home, they'll perform. They'll perform like December's a really good month to see this. A lot of artists or comedians will do gigs where their family's at. They do that so they can write their trips off. Clever. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Land your, land, your, land your dream job is another one by the age of 40. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, Radio was my dream job. I worked hard and I landed it and I got fired, but yeah, I did it before I was 40. But, but, <laughs> but, but it, that, that's, that's, that's a bad, it's, you were in a bad spot. Like they're not all like that. You know, the, the whole well, industry. I feel the same way though. Yeah, I, I know. That I was know. my dream job too. And it's funny how radio ha- ruins people's dreams. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but it, it wasn't just stand up for radio. It wasn't radio. It was the people that we worked for and with they're the well, ones that seems, ruined it right but it seems like it's that across the board everybody in that radio group yeah, i know you know but ain't nobody happy in the, in the industry it doesn't seem like right. <laughs> i know i know i read them too uh volunteer by the time you're 40 everybody should volunteer uh, yes absolutely I, that's easy and save yeah. for save for retirement is the last one uh, by 40 if you're not saving for retirement you got a really ugly road ahead of you <laughs> Because because yeah. seventy will come real quick, and there's only so many groceries you can bag, and so many times you can tell people where to find the hammers and and rulers and stuff at Home Depot. So there's not many opportunities out there for the, you know, unless you're one of those quirky seventy year olds and just crush it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, next category is traveling. 
uh, visit other continents. So here's the thing, and Nate's the traveler, right? Nikki's a good traveler. I'm not a big traveler. I don't like to travel. I don't like to, I, don't, I don't like planes. I, I don't like it. Now, when I get there, do I enjoy it? Absolutely. But the way that my brain works, I'm always thinking about what could be done back home. And that's a me thing. And that's, it's not healthy. It's not right. It's not positive. I, I get all those things. You don't need to bash me. I'll bash myself. <laughs> but there are people like Nate, which is really cool. Uh, and I think a, l- a little bit of Nikki when she has the time that say, hey, look, I'm young. I want to live as much as I can. And I want to see as much as the world as possible. So the day that I can't do these things, I have no regrets of not smelling the air during sunset in Egypt or getting sand in my face as I'm on top of a camel walking by a pyramid. I mean, these are once in a lifetime opportunities for people that aren't Egyptian, you know? So I, I agree with that if that's your thing, but if it's not your thing, like if I'm on my deathbed right now and said that I never had those things happen, I'd be fine with it. But that's just the way that I'm wired. Neither right, neither wrong. Yeah. I just think, People always wait for retirement or, you know, when I'm, you know, yeah, like retired and I don't have anything to do, but that, that day is never promised to you. So, you know, the, your buddy, I think, what do you say? Past uh, what, what age from skin cancer? 22. 22. Yeah. So if he was waiting until he was older to do that, he'd never done it. So I, I think do it as soon as you can when it's, it is possible. It, yeah. If there are things that you want to do, absolutely. And, and those times have changed. She got to remember the Gen Xers who were brought up by baby boomers. It was programmed in our brains that, you know, you can do all this stuff after, you know, we were still programmed that you get a job, you stay at the job, you work at the job, you retire at the job, they give you a gold watch, then you do the stuff. That was still given to us as Gen Xers. You know, you millennials changed the game where you started to realize, well, that's bullshit. You know, I'm going to play that anymore. You know, so that, that's that's the difference of the generations, I think. Uh, I would see this at poker tables. You know, Gen Xers are money savers. Um, millennials are risk takers. And, 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 you know, I know you guys think that I'd be a risk taker because of the things that I do. Mine are calculated risks. The millennials that I would see at poker tables, they were, they, they were aggressive and they were uh, sometimes reckless. Uh, a lot of times it would pay off. But they had no problem felting and leaving without the $10,000 that was in front of them if they had an option to win $50,000. They're going to take the chance. Gen Xer wouldn't do that. Gen Xer would put maybe $3,000 in to make $25,000. Yeah. Well, and then I think that generation mentality, or at least for the millennials, like it doesn't matter if you save it. You, you're not, you got to go all in or it's not going to matter in the long run. Another one in here is go whale watching. Nate's done that. <laughs> I've done that. Too. Yeah. Oh, you've done that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done it in real time. I was in the Navy. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. I did it on Nikki's birthday. Back to the <laughs> Cabo. <laughs> See a Broadway show by your the age of forty? I've never seen a Broadway show. You should. They're great. I mean, I don't know if that's a prerequisite, but I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, it's I, kind of weird to put yeah, on I there. Disagree with it. Yeah, it's like I, I mean, if that's your thing, but I, I don't think my life is going to be less interesting if i went to a broadway show when i was 50 <laughs> they are good though i will tell you that i'll check one both out broadway and off broadway they're very very good uh see some of the seven wonders of the world what are the seven wonders of the world i know andre the giant was number seven i believe seven mm, i don't think so <laughs> um the the modern world or the ancient world mm, probably the modern world well i don't know it doesn't say 
No, that's, uh, how they used well, to, seven, that's how they used to introduce Andre the Giant. The seventh wonder of the world, standing seven foot two from Grenoble, France, weighing in at 584 pounds, Andre the Giant! Howard Finkel. Yeah, the... Uh, well, the only one that's still around of the the ancient world is the pyramids. So I've done that, um, but the the seven wonders of the modern world are uh, Machu Picchu, Chichen Itza, the Roman Colosseum, Christ the Redeemer, the Great Wall of China, Taj Mahal, and the city of Petra. So I've done one of those. I did Chichen Itza. So done one of each. Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza. All fly Chicken first. Pizza. All fly first class at least once by the age of forty. I've never flown first class. First class. I'm flying first class. Fergalicious. <laughs> in the fast lane. Fast lane. I want to try. Fabulous. Fabulous. Oh, flousy, flousy. Flousy, flousy. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got upgraded once, though. We could, do, we could be the black eyed bees. We could. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your daughter with an abusive boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would be Bailey, and she's black. Okay. <laughs> uh, living arrangements. Uh, let's get to these. Have an apartment in the middle of a city. Again, 40 things you should do by the time you're 40. Have an apartment in the middle. I will tell you this. I always wanted to live in New York. Pandemic changed all that. Uh, it's not so much high on my list anymore. I'm more like thinking Montana. Or, or Playa del Carmen, Mexico, have an apartment in the middle of a city. Nate, yeah, I think so. That was something I always wanted to do when we we're in Orlando, living downtown, being able to go to the bars or yeah. you know, like restaurants and not have to drive everywhere. And then also, you just you learn to. It's kind of like our view on college. You learn to live with other people when you're living on top of each other. So I, I think it's good for you. I agree. There's something to be said about that. And I've experienced that. You've experienced that. Nikki, have you lived in an apartment in the middle of a city? I haven't, but I've always wanted a high rise downtown up on like the 50th floor with no curtains overlooking the city. Yeah, it's cool for it's cool for about six months. (laughs) I want it, but I've never achieved it (laughs) because because you find out how much you're paying for rent. It's a lot. (laughs) And how long it takes you to get from upstairs to downstairs. And if you've got a pet, oh, that's a whole different world. Uh, your, your DoorDash or Uber Eats nowadays will take an hour longer than the 30-minute delivery time just trying to get up to your place. <laughs> yeah. Live outside a city is another one. Living arrangements by 40. Live outside. So this is the opposite. You want to live in the burbs. But most people live in the burbs. Either they'll grow up in the burbs, move to the city, and then eventually move back to the burbs. Or they'll be in the burbs their whole life, move to the city. But most people usually end up in the burbs. Or yeah. do they mean like live out in the country? Uh, well, that would be the same thing, right? I mean, the burbs. Out well, the no, country. the suburbs are are different than living like where your cabin is in North Georgia. Oh, well, I think they're they're talking about like living on an acreage or you know in some kind of smaller area where it's not so populated. Um, so I can see that be good for your health. Um, you know, just without all that, you know, the drama going on with a big city. But I, I feel like I get bored. I don't know if you need to do that before you're forty. Yeah, like I, I always, you know, that island that I said was for sale, you know, for half a million dollars. I mean, that's a dream, right? You want to live on your own island, private mm-hmm. island. You got your staff and this and this, do whatever it is to make money and blah, blah, blah. But what do you got to go to a doctor? 
You get your teeth cleaned. You know, there's a lot of stuff you got to do. Where, where are you going to go? Yeah. I was thinking of that when we go up to North, North Georgia and I'm like, if they forgot like some gum or, a, oh, I was going to get a Coke at the, the store, you got to drive like 30, 40 minutes sometimes just to go do those things. That's why Paradise City has a vending machine. (laughs) That's right. Because we have things in there that you might have forgotten, like a toothbrush, coffee, uh, uh, aspirin, mosquito medicines, or mosquito wipes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Buy a house by 40. Now, Nate and I are going to totally disagree on this. Nate is is Mr. (laughs) Anti-Purchasing Anything, especially a house. Me, on the other hand... I am very much pro buying a house. I've been doing it since I was 21 years old. And for the most part, it's always worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't agree. I don't think you need to buy a house. Uh, you might, it might help you if you're looking to buy a house in the future. Um, but there's lots of people that don't buy houses. I've never bought a house. But do you want to? Eventually. But I want to buy a house when I figure out where I want to live permanently. Yeah. That's the problem, you know, is, and this is what I would tell people do not become emotionally attached to your property. Think of it always as an investment. And there's no limit to the amount of money you can put into your house or the time and effort because it's a savings account. It's a living, breathing savings account. You will, if it's the right time. Now, I know there's been times even in our history of us being alive that, you know, during the recession back in the mid 2000s and the real estate, you know, market just we had never seen anything like that before. Uh, will we see it again? Who knows? I'm not Nostradamus, right? But for the most part, real estate has always been a top three investment. And I know I once said it's the best investment, and I think Nate um, re- refuted that. But I, I personally think real estate's always been a great investment. Now, here's the bias on my side. I've been programmed to think that because I grew up around that. Not that my mother was a real estate agent or anything, but she would buy and sell houses, make money, spend the money. That was just my life growing up. That's where I learned to do it. I just I just tailored it to my style. I mean, I grew up in in a house, but I just it was never I had to buy a house or I had to be a homeowner that wasn't not instilled in me now. Well, I don't look at it as being necessarily a homeowner. Look at me. I own a home. Like, I don't judge people that rent. I think that's ridiculous. I look at it as I would rather pay to my mortgage uh, than to pay to someone else's mortgage. Because eventually when you move, you can sell and make money. And even if you get in a pinch, you can refi and get the money you need to survive. That's how I always look at houses. I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong, but I... Well, it's not wrong, because I said know, it. I don't have That's a right. house, and Absolutely right. I'm 40. Houses are I'm great fine. for people that can afford to put money back into a house. But if you're struggling to even buy that house, it's not going to make you money, because you can't remodel your kitchen or keep it up or whatever if it just starts disintegrating. I mean, not disintegrating, but, you know, if it starts breaking down and you can't afford to put that money back into it, you're not going to make money. If, if that's, I mean, you're, you're thinking that every house you move into is going to need work or help. That's not always the case. I mean, you can get into a brand new house, a small starter house, you know, it's everything's might not be the top end stuff in it, but it's still, you're not gonna have to do anything to it for a very long time. And you might get out before anything needs to be done and still profit. You know, you make a hundred dollars, which I would assume you'd make more than that, but you make a hundred dollars, you still profit it off of the house. So, I mean, Rachel's putting people in these small houses that are built from the ground up. 
uh, from the, the places the city are buying in the city. And there's automatically like 60, 70, 80 plus thousand dollars of the equity in these homes. So they just made $80,000, let's just say, for conversation's sake, just by moving into the house. Yeah, but they didn't have to pay for those upgrades. Somebody else paid for them, right? Well, well that's what I'm saying. If you were able to buy a house that doesn't need the upgrades, like you, you, with your example, you were saying you were alluding to the fact that every person for their first starter house it's in a lot of cases it is. I'm not going to argue with you on that, but you know, you have to put work into it. It's, you know, blah, 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 but that's not the case every time. Actually probably more today than ever. You can get into a brand new house with new hardware appliances and all that stuff um, for a, a good price. It's all about location. You know, like in our case, you'd, you, you got to move way out there, but you can get that house and it'll be cheap. Now, if you want to move closer to the city or even your Roswell area, that ain't happening. Then you're buying the house you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I'm not even talking about like a broken one, but or a breaking down, but you, you have to put money into it, into it to keep it relevant. I mean, like everybody that's doing whatever the trend is now, shiplap walls or, or whatever it is, that's not going to be relevant in 10 years and you're going to have to upgrade it and remodel things and stuff. Just like wood paneling was a big thing. Now that's like ridiculous. You, you got to take that out and put in something more modern. If, if you are in the house for that long, if you want, yeah. But that's what I'm saying is you, you dip out this house that I'm in now. And we've put so much work and so much money into this house. There's, there's no doubt about it. If we were to sell it, we would make that back times three. Uh, but this is the first house that I've ever lived in. And I've lived in a bunch of different places that I, and I just said, you shouldn't become emotionally attached. I'm emotionally attached to this house. <laughs> just, and I told Rach that I said, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in a year. Now I can do this, what we're doing now anywhere and places that we've looked at possibly to move to making sure, even if I have to build it, I'm going to build a studio. Um, so that's part of the plan. I mean, there's like, three or four things that we must have if we decide to move somewhere. Right. Uh, th- but I told her, I said, I- I'm going to cry. Uh, like, <laughs> like, like th- we've, we've raised our kids in this house. Oh we've gosh. had the good, the bad, the ugly all in this house. Um, this is going to be, I'm, I'm an emotional guy when it comes to this stuff. It's going to be tough. Uh, the last one for living arrangements, 40 things you should do by the time you're 40, uh, have a mortgage. Well, that's kind of the same thing. How would you have a mortgage if you don't have a house? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the same thing. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Last thing. I don't know. I'm just reading off here. I have to think about it for a second. Random life events. Random life events. 40 things you do by the time you're 40. Own a pet. Yes, everybody should have a pet. Oh, God. I yeah. hate having a pet. Well, you chose a bad dog. I didn't choose a bad dog. Or the bad dog chose no. you. It's a good dog. Nikki just doesn't like dogs. <laughs> I don't want those dogs. That dog has chewed up all of my shoes this week. I don't know what her problem is. She's this close to going to the pound. She chewed up my brand new Tommy Hilfiger flip-flops. Like, if I put my foot in the sandal, my toes are on the ground. Like, so I don't know what's wrong with this whose dog. Whose fault is that? It's her fault. You shouldn't leave the, the, the shoes for her to chew. No, no gotta, you train your dog to not do that. Exactly. That. And I've been training her. She stopped and now she started back. I don't know what her problem is. Yeah, spray that stuff because uh, Petunia likes to, to chew our, our uh, quarter round. Or not a quarter round, but the, the baseboards. And I'm like, what are you doing? So I just got it fixed. I had Certipro come over here and fix it. 
And I mean, they had to like rebuild it. You know, I didn't want to redo the whole uh, b- b- the the border there. So he put he he put Bondo on it. It was like, wait till your dog tries to bite into this. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but you know, we go around and we spray the corners where she's been chewing. Uh, that just means that she needs a chew toy. She needs something to chew on. So she she's trying to find something to chew. You have to give that dog something to chew. I got something for her to chew. What? Trust and believe. <laughs> Well, is that like a joke? Like I got something for her. Oh to chew. no, oh. she got her butt in She's trouble. Like, no, but you got to give her a boot. You got to give her a bone. You got to give her a bone. She doesn't chew on that stuff. I've bought bones, balls, the things that you put the treat inside of. She don't chew on none of that crap. Oh, the Kong thing. Yeah, <laughs> Tunes has got one of those. Have a really bad hangover. These are random life events. Yeah, I mean. I think you're. I think you're going to have that anyway. I don't know if you seek to have a really bad hangover, but it's good to yeah. experience one. I guess. Yeah, I don't know if that's. I mean, I guess if you're having a bad hangover, they're assuming that you had a good time the night before. So I guess, yeah, if you want to have a good night at once, one time in your life before forty, sure, do that. Because <laughs> I will tell you this: after forty, those hangovers get worse. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, maybe that's what they're getting at. Yeah, I think you should have a hangover at one point in your life to realize. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't drink that much anymore. (laughs) Win at least 10 bucks on a lottery ticket. Let me just run through these, uh, and then we'll get to your Mexico moment. Uh, I mean, that's that's up. I mean, that's luck. That's not up to you. Try to be a vegetarian. I'll pass. Attend a black tie event. You got to get invited. Go skinny dipping. I'd probably say that. I think you should. Everybody should do a skinny dipping thing. And fight somebody. Everybody should be in at one, at least one. The problem now is you can't just get in a fist fight without somebody pulling out a gun or a knife or wanting revenge. You know, back in the day, it was, hey, look, I got a problem with you. You got a problem with me. Let's settle it. And what normally would happen is you'd be the best of friends afterwards. It's not yeah. happening anymore. You get in a fight now. Nobody wants to fight you. They just want to shoot you and then walk away and not mind spending the rest of their life in jail because... They're pissed off that you, they, they, they thought that you uh, looked at them funny. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like that scene in Friday. It's like you live to fight another day. <laughs> you win. You win. win. You've been in a fight, right, Nikki? I've been in several fights. Yeah. Did you win them all? No. My very first fight, me and my sister um, got beat up at the same time by one person. A girl or guy? A girl. Yeah. And after that, my dad taught us hand-to-hand combat. So that that's what it should say. You should at least, <laughs> by the time you're 40, lose one fight. Everybody yeah, should. Ass kicked. Everybody should have their ass kicked. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the worst ass kicking I ever got was from a guy named Tim Cheeseman, and he was a skinny guy. And I don't know why I, I picked a fight with him. I, I was a wannabe bully, I guess. I don't know. It was a sixth grade Golden Gate Elementary, Naples, Florida gym class. Bunch of us in the auditorium, and. I don't know why I picked a fight with him. I just wanted to fight. I don't know why. I picked the wrong guy to fight with. I'll tell you that right now. This kid <laughs> knew how to box. And he, oh, dang. yeah, he was like this skinny, you know, dude. And I was not the skinny dude. I just thought I was like, oh, big guy. I'm going to get him. I'm going to wrestle him just like on TV. I'm going to suplex him. This dude, he, you know, stung like a butterfly, moved like a bee. He jumped around. He was circling me. He was popping me in the face, popping me in the face. And I remember the best shot I got in is as he moved to one side, I leg sweeped him and knocked him on the ground. And I stood over him like, what's up, bitch? You should stay down. Wow. <laughs> the dude had been kicking my ass. And then uh, Coach Goldstein comes over and goes, kids, do we have a problem? My face is all red. 
He's like, uh, I was like, no, we don't have a problem. Then after that, we were friends. But I don't know why I picked a fight. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. Picked a fight, got my ass kicked. Thank God nobody saw it. I don't think they saw it. You know, it was over and done with. So, yeah. Well, that's a lot. I think problem with a lot of people now, whether not just kids but adults also, is they just never got their ass kicked. They, they everybody needs a good ass kicking once in your life. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you learn to not mouth off to the wrong person when you're an adult. There's a, there's a lot of adults over the age of forty that need their ass kicked. You know. Yeah. All right. Let's do Nate's Mexico moment. And now a Mexico moment with Nate. All right, good. Uh, Mexico Moment with Nate, sponsored by Furry Family Comfort Care. Stephanie is a registered veterinary technician certified in hospice and palliative care for dogs and cats with over 20 years experience. They do things like mobile and virtual assessments. Do I need to take my dog or cat to the vet for this? Cold laser therapy in in the Atlanta area to help ease aches and pains in a calm setting of your home. And now mention the BS and get 50% off your first appointment, whether it be a consultation about your pet's health, hospice consult, cold laser therapy, or 50% off one night for your dog or cat at the Furry Family Comfort Care Resort. You can find them at Furry Family, or you can find Furry Family Comfort at FurryFamilyCC.com. That's FurryFamilyCC.com. All right. Go ahead, Nader. Yeah. All right. Well, and this, uh, I did not expect this to happen. So, um, uh, one of the, our listeners, uh, Ryan, had messaged me like a week or two ago, I think, and he sent me this article from Reddit, and it was a guy saying that, uh, he, that in Mexico, it's illegal to use mascots to sell cereal to children, like uh, cartoon characters and stuff on the box. And I kind of, I, in the uh, the Reddit thread, there was a picture of a, well, I think it was like Lucky Charms or something. And they had like green tape over the little, the little leprechaun on the box. And I was like, there's no no way that's real because in mexico or at least here in, in this part of mexico i've seen they have this uh, cereal called zucaritas and it's basically like frosted flakes and they got a little tony the tiger type of guy on there and um there's some other ones uh there's like uh choco crispies i think uh so there's a couple other ones i've seen the mascots on there so i'm like nah this is bullshit i don't know what this guy's talking about it's some internet prank and i go to the grocery store the other day and i go down the cereal aisle I swear to God, every fucking mascot has a piece of tape over them. And it didn't even matter if it was like the the main little character. It was, uh, I think there was one uh, cinnamon toast crunch churros that they have. Mm-hmm. And then these little, they got these little churros sticking around, uh, sticking their heads out of the side of the bowl. And it's just like a little churro with eyeballs and a mouth. And they got stickers over them. There's a little superhero guy on the, the um, was it Rice Krispies? It's like a knockoff Rice Krispies. A little superhero guy there. They got tape over it. And then I see the Crunch Berries box, and there is nothing. It's just like it says Crunch Berries. There's a big yellow open space where uh, the captain should be. And I go and pick up the box, and I'm like, what the fuck? Captain's not even on here. And it's a whole sleeve they put over the box, and you lift it up, and the captain's underneath, and they covered him up. <laughs> so, I was like, well, I guess this guy's not lying. So I went and reported back to, to Ryan. I was like, yeah, I guess this is really a thing. Had no idea. So, yeah, they cannot use these uh, cartoon characters to sell, like, candy and toys and, or, I mean, candy and cereal and stuff like that to kids. Well, did you find out why? 
Yeah. So I don't know if you've noticed where you probably saw it when you're like with the snacks and, and things like that here in Mexico, almost everything at the grocery store has these little, they're like black stop signs and they'll say um, high, high in calories, high in sugar, high in cholesterol. Um, and so now that is a law. Cause I, I can't remember what year it was in the U S but they, they made a law that it was, you're, they're required to put the ingredients mm-hmm. and the nutritional facts. Wasn't that long um, ago, actually. Yeah, it really wasn't. Um, so apparently the, in, in Mexico, I believe it was in 2020 that they started this thing to put, um, they have these, like I said, black stop sign looking things that have all the, like what's unhealthy if this is too high in, mm-hmm. you know, sugar or whatnot. And so they started doing that. And I guess this is also a part of that law that just started being enacted in April of 2022 um, that they're not allowed to use um, cartoon characters to sell the cereal because because yeah. the kids will, you know, they'll just see it in the aisle and they're like, oh, mommy, daddy, buy me this. Mm. Um, so had no idea. But that, that is a thing now here. There, I think they're on Netflix. There's a documentary about the cereal industry. And when it changed that they found out to go towards, I mean, it, this was like, I think in the maybe sixties or seventies, definitely the eighties were at its high point, you know, where they made these characters, uh, especially with the help of color television, they made these characters into like a Marvel character and you were, Oh my God, you know, the three rice crispy guys or the smacks guy. And it became pop culture, but it would suck you in as a kid. You, you know, you were buying the cereal if you didn't know what the cereal tastes like, it, you did, You were buying the character on the front. Uh, Fruity Pebbles, you were buying the Flintstones. But then when you got it, it was delicious. Well, it's hard not to be delicious when it's all sugar. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, 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 and so there, there's something within the industry about the sugar content and what the, the cereal industry did for the, for the better for them for lining their pockets, what worse for us, suckering us into the commercial commercialization of that, you know, and cereals lie all the time about, Oh, they're so healthy and this and this and that. I mean, you really have to pick it apart to the sugar is the one you got to stay. You just got to stay away from the sugar. That's the most important thing. You want your whole grains and you want to stay away from the sugar. Um, if you're a cereal guy, but then you still got to worry about the carbs. If that's something that uh, that's an issue. Um, I'm, I'm addicted to cereal every morning. uh, And thank God uh, Diane Spiva from Nuber T told me this uh, the other day when I went in. Uh, some of my levels were off, mainly for my um, kidney, and she was like, "I and my cholesterol levels were off." She goes, "I, you know, we're going to get rechecked. You know, I, I don't. It's nothing serious, but I need you to eat more, uh, better, uh, better sugars or better, yeah, better carbs. The the be- the good carbs." So it's like the whole grain, the apples, the pears, the fatty fish like salmon or shrimp, um, beans, lentils, olive oil, those types of things. I was like, every morning, I have a bowl of Special K, a handful of blueberries, a handful of walnuts, and a handful of raisins with almond milk. And sometimes I think that's bad for me. But it doesn't sound bad for you, does it? It sounds like a lot. Doesn't it sound a delicious, handful though? handful of this and a handful oh, of yeah. that. Is that. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, I just had it right in front of me on the counter. It's a handful, 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 handful. handful. Make my little thing. So, anyway. Uh, so, are you buying cereal in Mexico? No, nah, we're not really big cereal people anyway, but I, I didn't realize it was a thing. And, yeah, it is. Very that's interesting. Weird. All right. Let's talk to our guest, shall we? Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. 
Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. In Georgia, if someone doesn't perform under a contract, the usual remedy is money. While in some cases you can have the court order them to perform, usually they won't because indentured servitude is not a thing anymore. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. I'm so happy that so many of you enjoy Nubertese Men's Wellness League's uh, practitioner, Diane Spiva, when she comes on the podcast. I think it's great. You know, I've been going to Nubertese Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs, Georgia, for well over a year with testosterone maintenance, but they do so much more than that. With a weight loss program, sexual health, pain and joint management, Nubertese Men's Wellness League is a men's wellness facility for guys and guys only. Guys, as you get older, your body starts to break down. There are things that you can control and there are things that you can't control. Just pop into Nubertese Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs or go online to menswellnessleague.com and schedule a phone call just to see where you're at. It could possibly save your life. That's a true story actually happened to a listener, right? So right now, the Wellness Combine, get it for 99 bucks. That's $200 off the regular pl- uh, price. Plus, mention the BS Podcast and get 10% off that price. But you got to mention the BS Podcast. Go to menswellnessleague.com. Hit that schedule button. Son of a bitch. I just called to say you should subscribe to The Bailey Show, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. She has got a no-holds-barred memoir titled Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood, which I don't even have to read it, and I could probably agree with her on it. Uh, Maitland Ward, and you, you know her, I mean, if you grew up with her in Boy Meets World as Rachel McGuire like I did, you remember from that. If you're in the porn world and you watch a lot of porn, you've probably seen her do many a movie, including, what was your, your first one was Driven, right? Wasn't that the first one you did after you left Hollywood? Uh, Drive. Or Drive. drive. But uh, yes, that was the first full feature film that I got, like the world got to know me in. And it was really exciting because it was a full feature written film. It was like a mainstream film with a, a lot of hot sex in it. So, yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 was, it was like, um, you know, there, there are certain movies, especially when you have a named actress like yourself that you're familiar with. You know, I, I always talk about the movie Blown Away from the 80s with the, the Corys and Nicole Eggert. And I was like, that's like the closest thing to porn with no names uh that that i've ever seen there are some pretty hardcore scenes in that but in 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 that movie with you and that was your first i guess taste of porn the 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 porn industry that was that was pretty hardcore stuff that you did yeah no it's and it's been harder core along the way but um honestly though it wasn't people think that i all of a sudden just said hey i'm gonna do this porn movie um, but it really was such a slow build because I had been doing my own content where I had been building up to it. I'd been doing girl, girl stuff. I had been doing, 
you know, and then I eventually did boy stuff with two porn stars who were long time in the business over 10 years. And I really learned a lot from them. So I not, it wasn't my first time like sexually performing. It was my first time being, uh, out in the press about it and, and having a, a feature film where it was like really debuting on deeper.com. It was like this, so it had a precedent. I beat Bernie Sanders heart attack the day it came out on Google searches. So I mean, there's something. And they said, did I give him that heart attack? <laughs> okay. So this is, this is what the general public would, would, would always be interested in. And you know, it's, it's you're going to get two different sides to this. Of course, you're going to get the, what happened to you, Maitland? And, uh, oh, you're, you know, you're, I can't believe you're in the porn world, but they, a lot of us, me included, grew up with you as the Disney princess, uh, type mm-hmm. of girl and boy meets world and, and those types of roles that you did, the let's call them wholesome, pure. And then the next thing we know you're doing porn. So the question that would be asked probably is what was the, what was the aha moment, the deciding factor? You're like, I'm done here. I'm going here. There wasn't any really deciding factor. It was like I kind of got I really got typecast in Hollywood as being the character like my character on Boy Meets World or my other characters who are more light comedy, wholesome, fun, all my stuff. Um, so I was like put in this box, you know, and, and I was like, it's kind of like being put in a box like Christmas ornaments. Like we put them up there. They're nice and we bring them out once a year, but we'll let them have dust in the attic for the rest of the year. So um, I really think that I got so frustrated with the audition process in Hollywood. And this is over years. I was like just trying to like, you know, fit into their box to please people and to to get them to like me. And they they just didn't want to accept me as anything other than Rachel from Boy Meets World. But they also didn't want me accept accept me as her because they had seen me as her already. So I was in this like, you know, catch 22 situation. But I finally, actually, I got married and I moved to New York for a couple of years just to have this, I had this breath of fresh air where I was really just able to like get away from the whole Hollywood scene and, and not have to worry about auditions and and competition with other girls and who's going to what party and all this stuff. And, um, so I was really able to actually get in touch with myself and see who I really wanted to be as a person and as a woman. And I got in touch really with my sexuality and how I, express that I started uh writing like erotic writing like stories and and every and you know scenes things that I might want to play out in my fantasies in my mind but it was really just between me and the page right then I wasn't like sharing it a lot with anybody but um I'd say that that was the seeds of it all but then uh it really didn't get started until well when Girl Meets World came out which was the spinoff from Boy Meets World I was I was already back in LA and there was a real renewed attention to the cast, uh, the performer cast of Boy Meets World. And uh, there was a lot of attention on my social media and stuff. And I, at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't want to just be Rachel for the rest of my life. Because uh, it's kind of like if you like high school or you had a good experience and, or it was a good thing. Then, and you become, you just have to be in high school for the rest of your life. And you, it becomes sort of like a prison. So I was like, no, I'm going to do my own thing on social media. Finally, people are going to see who I am. And I, and I really started doing like my sexy cosplay and my, all my sexy setups and people really started to respond. And then that's how it evolved from there to, for me selling my own content. And I started doing like sexy photos and stuff and I nudes, but then it started to evolve into girl, girl stuff. And then I eventually did boys and, but this was all like a year and a half 
this is all the process was like five years or so, but like a year and a half before I started doing professional porn, I was already like, I was already going to porn college in my, doing my content. The, the, the girl meets world, the, the spinoff or reboot or whatever you want to call it. They, they did not ask you to be on that show, right? No, I mean, the executive producer, Michael Jacobs and um, Disney and stuff was outraged by me. But it's weird because people say, well, you were in porn, so they couldn't have you on a Disney show. And I'm like, I wasn't in porn at that time. This was this was before, well before I was even doing like nudes. I was just being I got a lot of attention doing like sexy uh, dresses and red carpets and doing photo shoots and like and and I had a lot of attention in the press and for that and my cosplay and everything. And so. It was just like this sexier image that I was projecting that they just could not deal with. And they, they hated that. And so it's really a hole in the show where, uh, you know, they talk about Rachel like she's off in some distant land or whatever. But I know that was Michael's way of like kind of, you know, backstabbing me a little bit. Even though I wasn't sure I wanted to go back to the show because to do one episode to be Rachel again and be identified as that. I mean, I, I do love her. But again, it's like I needed to grow away from that in order to be a whole person and the person that I wanted to be and a performer I wanted to be. Did did the cast uh, support again? You know, you're not doing you're not in the porn industry yet when this is taking place. Mm-hmm. You're just doing your thing on social media, which is kind of crazy because I'm guessing, you know, I know it doesn't seem that long ago, but I guess it was long enough ago before the OnlyFans world where you would see uh, a lot of actresses express their womanhood or whatever you want to call it. And it's more accepted, I think now than maybe even at that time. Right. Yeah, that's totally true in the last few years. And it's been uh, very much more accepted, especially with like, like with OnlyFans and stuff going more mainstream with like, you know, mainstream actors coming in and, and musicians and stuff and having OnlyFans and, and, and just, I think social media and stuff in general where, uh, people you know can connect people are, i think the younger generation is much more open-minded because they've been with the internet they've seen porn on the internet and they're not like you know as outraged as a, as an older generation who had to go back behind a curtain and some video store to try to to rent a video or whatever and be shamed by it well your your husband you married what in 2006 right yes yeah and he's been with you even before this journey started correct? Yeah. Well, before we met, Oh God, we met when I was, what was I 19? When we met, we, we, we split up a little bit. We were, we were friends a lot of the way. And then we got back together later on, but we, yeah, he's been on a long journey with me in this. And, and yeah, shortly after that, that's when we moved to New York and I was able to kind of, you know, step away. And he's not in the industry. He's in real estate. Uh, yeah. Business. Yeah. yeah. So nothing, nothing to do with that. Uh, so how does that work to be married to a porn star? Um, I think tough. You know, people are like, "Oh, he." It, I always hate the fact where they say, "Oh, it must be him pushing her." He's a cuck or whatever, and that's not true at all. I think he really enjoys the fact that I am sexually empowered and liberated, and likes to see that side of me. But it has nothing to do with like his enjoyment of it. He really did recognize in me um, that I love to do this, and when I was doing girl girl stuff, which he never minded at all. It was not the girl girl performance was not a problem ever. Um, but you know, he really recognized in me that I had these fantasies that I had written out in these scenes and this erotic stuff that I really needed to do this. And so he was very, uh, supportive of that. And he was with me at the beginning of my content. Like we really used that when I started shooting with, uh, 
guys, we really used that time as to see how it was and to kind of explore that. And he was, he was there and, and really it was okay. And it was kind of a safer environment. It's, it's different than people think like, oh, it's like having an affair with someone. It really isn't because they come in, you're have chit chat. We do our scene, we do our hot sex and then they leave. And it's not like they're not expecting some emotional attachment from you. It's, we can, I think performers for the most part can really, you know, detach from that. They know it's, it's a job and it's fun and you get enjoyment out of it, but it's also, you know, you step away at the end of the day. But he's never feel he never feels like any type of intimidation with these other men or scenes or it doesn't affect you guys' sex life at all. No, I think actually me being hot and like being so sexually empowered, I try new things with him and I like I am very, you know, you know, I hate I mean, he gets a professional award winning porn star to be in bed with him. So, <laughs> um, but no, I don't think so. I think it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, I've won awards for these things. So now, he, you know, he gets it even better. Um, so I don't think so. I mean, I, you, you would have to speak to him on all his emotions, but um, I think in the beginning we, we were a little uh, nervous about like what was going to happen. Of course. Now it's old hot. Like when I go on sets and stuff, it's so it's run like a machine and like, it's, it's like an actual set in mainstream. It's not like some people have this idea of porn sets as this dirty little hole in the wall where this, you know, old guy is smoking a cigarette, watching some drug orgy or something. It's nothing like that. It's you go to a job, you go to a set and it's like a film set and you get in makeup and hair and wardrobe and everything. And you do your, you do your job and it's, it's a fun job, but it's a lot of hard work too. I mean, you think, Oh, just having sex on camera. It's not just that you really have to perform to the camera. You have to do a lot of different positions. It's like a straight like hour. You have to go and it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun, but it's definitely is a job too. It's 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 funny how the the industry's changed. You know, when uh, years ago, you know, I've been done radio for a very long time, and there was a point when I was tied in with you know the the industry and um, just because of guests, and that was the type of radio we were doing at the time. And I befriended a yeah. lot of these girls and dated a couple of them, to be honest with you. Um, even if it was for a night, but still we, 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 we stayed, we stayed friends <laughs> and, and it was interesting to learn because what you just described Maitland is I think what most people still the stigma of porn is, and it's kind of like, uh, the rock and roll industry, you know, what rock and roll used to be sex, drugs, rock and roll backstage, crazy <clears throat> parties, same, you know, the, the porn industry, it was sex, drugs, rock and roll backstage, crazy yep. parties. But it's all evolved where it's, you know, you've got the health kick. It's a business. Uh-huh. It's about making money. I mean, not to say that there's not still people in that industry that, that act that way and do that, but it's changed quite a bit from the stigma of what people think it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. There, and there's so many more rules and regulations put in place. Um, so, yeah, people are judging things from like 40 years ago or something or 30 years ago. It's like it's changed so much since then. I mean, we have to people think that we have like, oh, you're dirty STD infested sets. And it's like we have to test every two weeks. There's all this protocol, all this paperwork we have to fill out before we even step on set for a scene. Um, there's, I mean, sure, people in their personal lives are probably doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but you can't do it on set. You have to actually sign consent and then go on camera saying you are not under the influence. Nobody is making you be there. You want it. You consent to all of this. And I think people don't realize how much protocol and, and consent goes into it before you even start the scene. Were you ever on set for Girl Meets World or did you just stay, keep your distance? 
No, I was on set. Well, of course, I came to the pilot. I came twice. Yeah, but I came to the pilot. I wasn't going to, but then um, I got called by some people in the cast, and they were like, they were ever people were having a little reunion there, and that's and I went there, and it was great seeing you know Will and Ryder and Ben. Danielle gave me the cold shoulder, but that was that was a whole other story. But uh, other, other than that, I, uh, I it was kind of like I going home again, but then it was weird because I had tried try, tried to like grow away from that but I guess it was kind of like a high school reunion of sorts to see everybody again so I was yeah I definitely did visit the set and Danielle is Topinga uh from yeah from, from, oh yeah from the show and you guys used to be friends though right yeah we were very friendly on the show we always you know well the first it was funny because the first day that I was starting to work on the show the producer said to me oh she's going to hate you and I said, why? And she's all, because you're the new girl with the legs and red hair coming in. And But she really didn't. She never acted that way towards me. We were a little, we felt like we had a big age difference. It was really only, what, four years or something? Or, you know, it was like, but back then it felt like such a major gap. But we were friends. She came to my wedding. And I really thought that we, you know, had grown up into, we could be very good friends. I don't know what was going on at that time that she did not like me. I don't know. I, I felt like me, she didn't like that. I was doing this sexier stuff and getting attention for it. Uh, just because I don't know. I don't, I don't know how she feels about it, but I don't think she approves of it. I don't like, so I really don't have all the answers for that, but I, I have always loved her. She's a beautiful person. I mean, so that was sad to me. That was sad. And I didn't get invited to her wedding. Well, that, <laughs> so. that's what I was going to ask you is like, did, do you, do you care when, people like Danielle uh, that are, you know, at one time at least important in your life, they kind of shun you now because of what you chose to do for a living. Yeah, that's hurtful. Um, it's mostly like nobody's really confronted me about it and said, you're terrible. And you, they just kind of like quietly ice you out. Mm. And that's kind of what happened there. I, I think, I mean, she would have to tell it in her story. I mean, maybe she had something else going on. I don't know, but I have not spoken to her since. But um, I have to say, yeah, people will just like want to avoid the situation. But certain people at the beginning when I announced that I was going into a, like doing a big adult film and stuff, uh, I think they thought that I was like crazy on drugs, all the stories that you hear. But I think now it's been three years since I did Drive. I've had so many features and awards and I've my huge OnlyFans and um, like I'm writing, I wrote a book. I have all this success in my business. I think they're seeing now like they're like, wait a minute, she really did take control of her career. So I'm I'm feeling people like come back to me kind of. I, it's, it's a weird thing. I'm getting more respect in the mainstream industry than I did even when I was like in the mainstream industry completely because people are like, wow, this is a different story. And she really did take control of her career and her life and her destiny. And she has her own thing. So that's been pretty empowering too, to see that, you know, they see the legitimacy of it and the normalcy of it. Well, sometimes you have to take the long road, Maitland, you know that. And, and, you know, with Tracy Lords did it right. Um, you know, she was in, she was in the, in the industry. I mean, this is when the industry was looked at and really was that guy smoking the cigarette crazy. Really was then, yes. Yeah, it, it really was. But, you know, she transitioned, uh, you know, risky business and then uh, Melrose place. And I mean, she, she had a good run and I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ever remember, you know, watching those movies and talking about those movies is or shows as her being the topic of conversation because she used to do porn. I mean, you even look at Pamela Anderson, like you said, people do all this stuff behind closed doors anyway. So Pamela Anderson's tape got released. And Mm -hmm. you know, if you've seen any of the Pam and Tommy's and stuff like that, she was terrified on 
how what what was going to do to her career. Unfortunately, it did, I think, beat up her career. But, you know, technically, she's a porn star. She had a video released where she profited having sex, you know. Right. Um, but she's still Pamela Anderson, and uh, she's an icon, pop icon. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I mean, if the mainstream industry accepts you back and offers you a role, that would be the ultimate receipt for you and go back, right? Yeah. No, I, I really, yeah, I really want to work to that. And also to, I don't, like, somehow make mainstream and porn come together in a way, you know, like, because we're already creating, like, mainstream quality projects with a lot of hot sex in it. But I think there's a way to you know, merge the two in a way where maybe there's, you know, sexual content and not as heavy of a way, but, you know, for these streaming services and stuff, they're so close to it anyway. It's just like, they don't go the whole way. These, some of these shows are just almost like porn, like in itself. But, um, so I really think that could be it. And I really hope like my book can, you know, be, you know, made into and get film rights and stuff. Oh, that's so, a good idea. Yeah. Rated, yeah. I would love to tell my story in that way and cinematically and stuff. Rated X, how porn liberated me from Hollywood is the book, which is available now. Has anybody pitched you kind of, you know, what the porn industry does, especially with named actors, actresses that were on something, they would take the name and twist it, you know, so <laughs> instead of boy meets the world uh, or whatever, you know, boy, meet spelled M E A T or something. I mean, something goofy <laughs> like that. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I, uh, my fleshlights, uh, my, my vagina and my butthole, my, my vagina fleshlight is called Toy Meets World. Oh, that's clever. And my butt is t- tight chicks. So. That's clever. <laughs> so that reminded me of that. Yeah. Has anybody pitched you those ideas? Like as far as a, yeah. a film? You know what? Yes, but I actually, I have a contracted with, um, Vixen and Deeper.com, which are Deeper is, is much more like of a cinematic kind of thing. They're, it's like working on like a feature stuff and like award stuff and like uh, things. It's like very scripted and, and everything. It's not really like the screwball comedy porn parody stuff. So, yeah, I'm sure people would love to do it. And so that we we actually did in the latest film we had have a sitcom type situation. It's not a direct parody or anything, but it kind of it's like a dystopian view of how sitcoms whether it be in the seventies, the fifties, the nineties, and it kind of goes back and forth, but it's, um, how, you know, they've, they've messed with us as society and like how they've, the, how they, you know, affected us, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cause I, it, cause in this like movie that was, it's out now drift, it's, um, I play America's sweetheart in this kind of sitcom scenario. And then I eventually walk off the stage and I go into this dark night, dead of night where I find all this like sexual, you know, adventures and stuff. And it really kind of mirrors in a metaphoric way, my book, because it's like me stepping off the soundstage and finding this twisting dark night and finding myself again and finding who I am as a sexual being and a person. I I, I think I know the answer to this question, but (laughs) has anyone in the, let's call it the mainstream industry uh, or even just a celebrity in general, try to slip into your DMS and say, Hey, I'd like to get together sometime. I, I like what you're doing. I'd like for you to do it at my house. Oh, yes. I've had some definite, Tori Spelling's husband did it one time. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, he didn't say it fully, but he was like, he said enough that I knew what he meant. <laughs> you know, do you, do you meet up and stuff like that? But, um, and I've had like Terrell Owens did it. And then he got mad because I wouldn't go to the movies with him, <laughs> which I knew the movies wasn't what he was after. But, um, yeah, different ones. Yeah, there's different, like, athletes and stuff and, yeah, actors, they'll do it. But they do it on, like, a sly way because they don't want to be – they don't want it to, like, 
have me print the, you know, get the receipts and, and show exactly what they're saying. So usually it's more like, Hey, you want to get together? Like that kind of thing. But I know what they mean. <laughs> and is any, any of those interested you, can you do that? Or is that outside the rules of the marriage part of things? Yeah. I don't do that kind of thing at all. No. If it was a girl, wait a minute. If it's a girl. Yes. Well, have you had women then been that? Yes, yeah. I have. Uh-huh. I have. So, um, yeah, no, I have from time to time. I don't have, I have women that I like have fun with. And so that's totally okay. Like my husband doesn't care about that. <laughs> but, but women that are actresses that we see that we would not know that are doing this. Yes. And one, yes, from time to time and also porn actresses. Yes. But, but definitely there's been some mainstream I talk about in the book one that I will not name, but she was somebody you might uh, know. She was actually pretty fucked up though. (laughs) She was, she was kind of a controlling kind of figure, but um, yeah. Yeah. There's been. Oh, it was the red. What's her name? Uh, Mean girls, the redhead. What's her name? (laughs) You got it. It was (laughs) Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. It was Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) Was it really? Did I get it? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Meryl Streep. It was Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Absolutely. (laughs) And we, yeah, we filmed content. The, 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 the devil wears Maitland. Let's just call it that. that? (laughs) But I, I would think, you know, just by listening to you talk about your transition, from, you know, again, the mainstream industry into the, the porn industry, uh, I, I hear that there's a chip on your shoulder and you want to prove something that, like, you missed out and you didn't give me these roles. So I found another avenue to not only make a living, be happy, know myself, but also find a way, hopefully, eventually back into your world. This is this is kind of fueled by a chip, is it not? It's not really a chip. Well, it's a chip against certain people. Like, but I really love adult performing. Like that is something I found I was good at and I had fun at. And I really was, I, adult performance is just something that was in me, literally and figuratively. <laughs> um, so it's not necessarily a chip, but now that I found success, it's like, hey, look guys, that way. So it's more like I was finding myself and I was sick of all of that. But then I'm like, wait a minute, you guys need to see this now. Kind of. So it wasn't like fueled to it, what my performance and doing this was not fueled by the chip. Now I'm actually just proud to say, hey, look, you guys were wrong. So um, but and I want to I would come back to mainstream on my own terms. I'm not going to play by their rules anymore. It's like I want to do my own thing. And it's not it's not even necessary that I have to because I'm enjoying performing and everything and I'm, I'm doing so well. And um, but I I would like to take it back on my own terms but it's it's not necessary because i feel like i've taken it all back on my own terms anyway well you're you're the epitome of what we talk about all the time i mean you're talking to a guy that got fired a year ago from the radio business and decided to start this podcasting thing now i know i'm not bringing in the cash that you're bringing in but the point is is that you know all of us here we work together uh, on the radio show and we all got blown out uh so to speak is that we're working for ourselves. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. The, from the, a, now I can't do what you do, obviously, because I'm nowhere, I'm not, a, I'm not a beautiful woman like you are, but <laughs> women are finding ways, you know, we have OnlyFans models that they that come on the show and we're friends with them. Um, they're, 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 they're bucking the stigma of the taboo of sex, which, yeah. you know, it's about time. And we're really one of the only countries in the world that still have that. And they're saying, look, I don't care what you think. I'm making seven figures showing my ass or showing my feet or having sex with my husband or whatever it is that I'm into. What I'm into is none of your business. If you don't want to watch, you don't have to watch. 
I don't care if you judge me, but that's where yeah. we're at right now in this day and age. Yeah, I really believe that. It's the OnlyFans thing has been really empowering. And like you said, yeah, you're taking control of your own, own you know, content, your own career and stuff that you do and your own uh, product. And so I really think that's been important. And the, and the internet and stuff is, and the social media and everything has given us that, that contact with the audience. I would never have, have been able to do what I do without my fans seeing me on social media because I wouldn't have even had an audience like an ability to show what, who I was and to my fans, if mm -hmm. I didn't have social media to start growing that. And then, you know, and with only fans and everything that just like, I'm able to make such great money and, and just have such great fans and, and look at, I, you know, I became an author something I never, I always wanted to do and I never really thought I could, but here I am. <laughs> can I make a suggestion and maybe you can change the, the industry, the porn industry, but definitely the movies that you're in. So mm -hmm. here, look, I'm not great in bed. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to give you some of my oh. personal background. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not great. You know, I've got a wife. Thank God she deals with it and I'm not well endowed, right? I, I'm, I'm below average. There's no doubt about it. I see some of the stuff that you do with these guys <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, it's it's intimidating. You need to have some real life guys in there. <laughs> not, not, not I'm not saying me, but I'm just saying you need to find some guys that aren't as well endowed as the. I mean, these guys are huge. I know, white and black. <laughs> so maybe I, I mean I know it's not going to be the greatest feeling for you, but just for the rest of us that are going. Oh, that's like me. You you bring in some of the smaller guys. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I have had a couple guys that are not quite as big. Like you're seeing the real big ones that they show. But, uh, you know, there are some guys like that in the industry. But, and they're especially good for DPs because, you know, if you're having two in one, two holes in one or whatever, no. it's it, it helps you. But um, I, I actually do agree with that. You know, it's funny. People ask me, you know, would any guys from mainstream go into it? And I was talking to an actor friend of mine, he goes, you know what? It's not because they think it's taboo or anything. It's because nobody has any confidence and nobody has a dick. <laughs> and so that's the reason mainstream actors don't do porn <laughs> actors. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. It's embarrassing. Like I, I like yeah, some they the would be too embarrassed. <laughs> some of the stuff that I saw you look, and of course when you're watching porn, the whole idea is to, you know, if you're a guy replace the guy that's yeah. having sex with, in this case, Maitland Ward with yourself. And you're just like, there's no way I'm getting through an hour and a half movie. It's just not happening. <laughs> I was impressed with the um, the quality of, of the movies because I saw we were having you on. So I did a little research. I watched a couple well, of them. Well, you like porn. You like uh, porn. You're I do like porn. porn. But I had never seen any of her porn. Yeah. So when, mm -hmm. I, when I watched it, the quality was like better than the porn clearly that I would normally watch. Do you need <laughs> yeah. like an agent or something for the type of porn that you're into? Um, no, well, I have a contract with that company, so it's much more deeper.com. It's like where it's a cinematic brand. Like we oh. do put so much money and quality and stuff into it. It is. I'm glad you said that too. Cause people yeah. think, oh, porn is just the quick get off, you know, and it's fun, but it's, it's only a certain thing that you see out there, like on browsers or Pornhub or, you know, something right. that you, or yeah, whatever it is. But we really, we have full feature length films with full scripts that look like a movie in the trailers. It's like, look like a mainstream film. And then we have all the sex scenes and stuff, but it, it has like fully scripted stories. I had like, 700 lines in my last film and, and three page monologues. It's like, I've done so much more acting than I did in mainstream. So yeah. could a regular girl just go to this company and be like, I want to do porn or like, how do you well, get into that? 
they do have agents. You know, there are a couple. Okay. It's interesting. There are a couple, big, two of the bigger agencies. Uh, they do have like the more top girls in the industry. So they would more be on the sets that I'm on just because they've, you know, they have an upper status, I guess, whatever mm -hmm. you speak. Um, so yeah, I mean, they have an agent. I don't, I never really have an agent, but, um, yeah. So yeah, it does certain girls are picked. I mean, there's not like an audition process. It's more like they know the type, like the producer and the director or Caden knows the type like she wants. Uh -huh. And, um, then they bring them in like that. But yeah, mm -hmm. you do have to have a certain status to be in those films. Yeah. Okay. And you have to be able to, you know, handle some dialogue and acting. Of course I get the majority of the dialogue, but it's, uh, there is like a lot of scripted stuff that they need to be able to handle. Is Shauna Lene still in the industry? I don't know. Do I don't you, think so. Do you know who she but is? I, no, I don't know her. Oh, okay. She was a pretty big deal back in the day. When I say back in the day, I'm talking like the mid 2000s, you know, not that long oh, ago. Oh, yeah, no, she, I don't think she's probably still in it. No. no. I think she got married. Um, Maybe so. That's usually what happens. Like there's a boy that takes them out of it or like something. Mm. They'll, a boy, a lot of time there's a boy that takes them out of the industry. Do you know Lainey Spencer with Penthouse or she used to be with Penthouse? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 I do. Red yeah. hair, re really pale, extremely cool. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Lainey was like, radio's best friend of the industry and oh really and she's she was awesome and um you know so i i met a lot of people through through laney and you know there was the relationship with hustler um penthouse not so much playboy uh and the porn industry and then also mm -hmm. you know doing you know for the dancers that get into it having the um the showcase at a club like during super bowl or whatever the case may be so those are the good old days those are mm. just different. yeah to go right yeah. <laughs> uh, good old days. nate do you have a question for maitland ward nate yeah do you get to be a part of uh like writing the script with your movies or, or change anything like can you say like you know i think a reverse cowgirl would be a little bit better in this scene like do you get any oh, yeah. creative freedom with it yeah absolutely and i i, I collaborate a lot with caden cross and stuff when she she writes the scripts for the movies and then but she's definitely we talk and collaborate about what we want to happen and who we want to be in it and what kind of scenes it's going to be whether it's you know going to be an anal scene a dp scene a group scene something um but yeah definitely have collaboration and i'm actually i i wrote a couple scripts and co-directed them for the brand for the brands for vixen um that are coming out later and i'm going to do some more of that so that's kind of interesting to be behind the scenes with it too and be able to write those scripts that i wrote you know way long ago those erotic you know fiction that I had written it's kind of coming to fruition now <laughs> and I can see him up on the screen I know this is going to sound really weird because I'm going to preface this question with do you mind if I ask you a personal question <laughs> but I feel like sure. I need to say you that yeah. okay <laughs> when in the bedroom with your husband mm -hmm. is the experience you know the majority of the time is it like what you're doing on set just because you're so uh, so you're such a sexual person or is it more of the average, you know, lily white, white picket fence, dog, missionary type of sex? Oh, no, it's not just missionary type sex. I'm, I'm kind of wild, but I would say it's a more intimate situation because it's like when I'm I don't go as acrobatic or anything, I'm not going to be, you know we're not doing all these crazy positions and stuff, but, but definitely I don't like to keep it just the vanilla stuff. I like to spice it up and I, I bring tricks home from work, but uh, I realized that he's not somebody who can be like so acrobatic, like some of these porn guys are <laughs> like, so, 
so I think it's like a it's it's fun, wild, but like it's definitely a different type of intimacy than it is on set. Hearing you say vanilla makes me think you're you're into the BDSM. Is that why you use that term? Oh, you know what? A little bit, a okay. little bit. I'm not heavily into BDSM, although one. I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy like dabbling in it a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. and in my roles, I play like Mistress Maitland a lot. So I kind of be, get to really do the punishing kind of dominatrix type of person. But I do like it. I mean, one time it was funny. The first time that I got caned by a woman, I had a bruise the size of Texas on my ass. Oh. And then the next day I had to film my first content blowjob scene <laughs> I was so embarrassed like oh my god I have a huge bruise but it was good I liked it I just you know I just v- bruise very easily so I I'm kind of careful with that kind of stuff but yeah. yeah I do like to I like to explore a little bit of that and I, de- I definitely in my uh filmmaking and stuff love that so I, I I I your husband is like I mean that's so much pressure for him to be able to be <laughs> married to you for all these years and knowing what's what you're doing and then have to still perform I mean, this this guy's got to have ice in his veins. <laughs> I, 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 I am not, a, I, I can tell you right now, Maitland, if my wife were you and I was that, I couldn't handle it. I would be too insecure. I just would not be able to handle it. I think it's because we've been together for so long and he really understands like, you know, who I am as a person and a performer. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's very good at it. He's handled it so well. Like he really is supportive he doesn't come to like the professional sets and he doesn't watch all my like scenes but sometimes we do though sometimes not really to get off though just to kind of see how it was like how did it look good was the scene you know how did it play off Mm -hmm. but anything differently should what was you know worked with it and stuff but um yeah for the most part no he's not he's not insecure he had to be secure in order to tell me let's you should go for it uh oh i got an idea I was trying to think. I was like, I love the name Maitland. One because it's the city I used to live in. Um, but oh I was, I, yeah, I was like Maitland, Florida. But I was like, um, I go, where have I heard? There, there's another character named Maitland. I was like, I'm trying to think of this whole conversation, and of course, trying to be clever and creative and come up with some cool porn idea. Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cop. And you oh could, my gosh! You, you, oh my, that's so funny. You could you that's- could have a character, Victor Maitland. It'd be like an older guy and call yeah. it Beverly Hills cock. And <laughs> oh my God. I'm surprised God. that hasn't been done. <laughs> is that not brilliant? And you know, like, that but, is brilliant. But it's like the Victor Maitland character, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, that, that the house, I've been to the house in LA. I think it's mm-hmm. not that far from UCLA Stadium. Like, you, yeah. you could just, when they're sleeping, go there at night and do stuff on the lawn and not have to pay them anything. <laughs> You'll never notice. <laughs> uh, set up shop. <laughs> the No Holds Barred Memoir, Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood. That is available now where you purchase books. Also, as Maitland said, OnlyFans. If you're on OnlyFans, you can find her there. Of course, all social media. Just search for Maitland Ward. Nate, any questions before we let our guest go? No, not really. Other, I was going to ask about anybody else shunning you other than Topanga. Have you had like friends or family members or has everybody been pretty cool about it? Um, I've had definitely friends shun me, especially like any really straight laced friends. Cause when I was younger, I was very, I hit everything and I acted like I was just such a goody, goody girl. So I had friends like that from way in my past who have like shun me. Nobody's like confronted me. They just shun me or like unfriend me or do that. I have been surprised by the amount of people who have come forward from my past and like my 
high school, college, whatever. And they are so supportive of me. And, and I've been, I've been surprised by like family members who have been so supportive of me. And I didn't expect that. Like when I first, um, announced it to the world, I, everybody said I was going to get just like just demeaned and and torn apart. But I really, for the most part, had a very positive outcome from it and experience and and reaction. I think it's just because I didn't fall into like being shamed and I was proud of what I did and I I celebrated it. So when somebody's celebrating something like that, it's hard to, uh, you know, go at them and say you can't be having fun. You can't be loving your life. Did did you lose your virginity in, in the Hollywood scene? No, no. I, in, it was in high school and it was a quick, like, I just wanted to get it over with. <laughs> I just, I was, it was kind of like, I was not so confident. I just wanted to like, just get it over with. Let's, let's have it happen. But I tell the whole story about that. It was to a nerdy boy. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, you know, I've always wanted to write a book of celebrities sharing their, their virginity, losing their virginity stories. I just no, thought, that's, isn't that cra- That would be clever, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be a great one. Yeah, it'd be cool. I if just they got... tell you. <laughs> I think most people would. I'd probably the virginity story, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless it was, you know, something horrible or whatnot. And I just now have yeah. to learn how to write, I guess. Did, did, you have, <laughs> uh, did you have relationships within that circle when you were in that circle? In Hollywood? Yeah. But yeah, sure. I mean, um, yes. I Not like, I, I won't say like any huge male stars or anything um but definitely people in the business industries and actors and stuff yeah sure i mean i you know just normal that's what my industry was and that's where the people around me were you know so i could just see you like going you know and the set next to you was saved by the bell and you're like oh ac slater let's go in the closet the electric closet and make out (laughs) (laughs) no i i I didn't do that although my first audition was for saved by the bell so that could have happened who knows Oh, but, what, what, yeah, what, what, uh, what character were you going for? Jesse? It was just, no, no, no. It was already when say by the bell was on. And I, I was one of Screech's girlfriends, like a, like a nerdy girlfriend of his. Oh, you were on but that it, show, right? You, you had a bit, you, you got it, right? No, I did not get saved by the bell. Oh, um, you didn't. but then I got like this, my second audition, it was bold and beautiful, the soap opera. And that's when I got on. And then I was with, well, I had a kind of messed up relationship with the guy who was my co-star on bold and beautiful, which I talk about. Cause he was, he was older than me and stuff. Uh, so it was kind of, it was confusing time, but I can definitely go into that. Uh, Oh, you, okay. This, I, I don't know if you knew that get figured this out or not, but so Screech's nerdy girlfriend, you know, who played that character, right? Tori spelling. And who's the guy that what got into your DMS is Her husband. Sean, <laughs> what, Sean McDermott, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Sean McDermott, what a receipt. Dean. Dean oh, McDermott. Uh, well, scene, yeah. What what a receipt. Years ago, you auditioned for that role. You lose out to Tori Spelling. Decades later, her <laughs> husband wants to have sex with you. That's awesome. <laughs> that It's a full circle moment right there. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever thought about that? You ever break that down like you that? You know what? I did not think about that all the way. Yeah, you know, it's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you should feel good about yourself today. <laughs> I do. I feel like I've, I've really, you know, triumphed over something. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm just really glad I knew that Tori Spelling got the part because I, I was a Saved by the Bell fan. Uh, Nikki, any questions for Maitland before we let her go? So you said that your husband's okay when you kind of do girl-on-girl things. Do you and your husband, like, have threesomes with women together? Or, like, is there anything that you allow him to do outside of the marriage? You know what? If he wanted to, he could. We don't do that kind of thing. It's um, He's watched when I'm with girls and stuff like that. 
but he's, that's not his thing. He's is pretty like straight. He is kind of straight laced. It's it's funny mm. because um, people think he would have to be some wild like swinging kind of type, but he is he is straight laced. I think he enjoys that I'm not that kind of person. I'm I'm so like bold and out there. So I I think he enjoys the part of me just being like that. But no, we're not like swingers or anything. Well, how much would it take? Like, how much would I have to pay you to come to my house and just teach me to be better? I mean, you don't have to touch me or anything because you don't want to do that. But I'm just saying, like, sit in the corner and coach me. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I like doing that. Sometimes I do that on OnlyFans for people. Oh, okay. Well, like, what's your rate? Was it like $15 like minimum wage or what do you take? What are you doing now? No, you, well, I don't know. Like, if, you know, you let's say... A five hundred bucks an hour. No. Oh, that's good. I, I, that, I, I think that's fair. You know, five hundred bucks. Sure. Just, just sit in the corner, get you a just drink. Sit in the corner, and show you. Yeah, right. Get you a, a megaphone, kind of like Huey Lewis in the news and Back to the yeah. Future. You know when he's. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Huey Lewis. I loved Huey back then. Oh my god, it was my second concert I ever went to as a kid. <laughs> loved so it. Cool. First cassette I ever bought. Sports. Uh, rated X, how porn liberated me from Hollywood is the new, no holds barred memoir from Maitland Ward. Uh, you are a fantastic guest. You're so sweet. Uh, thank you so much for all the time. I wish you nothing but the best. If please remember us and uh, if there's ever another opportunity for you to come on or if I reach out to you on social media, I'm not trying to be creepy or anything. I just would like yeah. to get you back on to chit chat. Cause I think we had a really good conversation. Yeah, we'd love to anytime. I'm, it was so much fun. All right, Maitland. Best of luck with the book and everything you do. And tell Terry that I, 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 I'm his biggest fan, all right? <laughs> I will. He'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care, Maitland. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Look, doing a new kitchen or bath, that's a big undertaking, right? So you want to go to somebody that's like a one-stop shop, like UCI Kitchen and Bath. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years. That's what I'm talking about, a one-stop shop. Uh, they provide the installation of whatever you buy. Speaking of, you mentioned the BS, the Bailey Show podcast, and you're getting 10% off your regularly priced countertops. That's a nice little savings, right? You can visit the Norcross, Georgia showroom location. Let their design team transform your kitchen and bathroom into a beautiful and functional environment to fit your personality. It's just upping your property value. You can get with all the latest trends because they got them right there on the showroom. Servicing all of Georgia and parts of Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. How do you get a hold of them? Very simple. UCIGranite.com. The letters U-C-I, the word granite.com. Help you help your business get to the next level. And you do that by incorporating create graphics in there. Whether it's vehicle wraps, corporate events you might be having, interior, exterior events, graphic design and apparel. Create Graphics is a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, wide format printing, and graphic installation. Excellent customer service where every project is going to get that one-on-one -on -one experience from start to finish. CreateGraphics.net. C-R-E-A-T-E-G-R-A-P-H-I-X.net. Or you can call 770-369-9962. 770-369-9962. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear then get a full 7 days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. 
And back to you, Jason. Looks like I'm going to be scrounging for people to talk to in the next four weeks, couple weeks. I don't know. Nate's going to Greece this week. So he's going to be gone for how long are you gone for? Two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Nikki D. I don't know where she gets all this vacation time from. <laughs> it's not vacation time. I'm able to say I'm, I'm, I need to be off. I'm going here and I'm off. Yeah, I know, but you didn't go. You didn't ask HR. You didn't ask anybody. I don't have to ask HR. I just tell my manager. No, 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 no. I'm talking about for the show. I'm not talking about your other job. HR? Am I getting some health benefits or something here I don't know about? No, but we have an oh, HR department. We do? Yeah, it's me. Oh. Yeah, I do it all. Okay. Yeah, that's a one-stop shop. You just <laughs> pick up the phone and call me and we talk about it. But you're going to be, she's going to be gone for a month, Nate. I, oh, you're gone for a month? I mean, I'll be here. I just want to be recording for a month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on. So, and I can't count on Brandon. I mean, Brandon's not even here right now. <laughs> and he's got his bit, you know, he's got his one question. I got to play it for him because his equipment broke on him or something. So this is going to be a, 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 bu- a bunch of shows of me yapping to me. No. Riding solo. You'll find somebody to talk to. You always do. Um, I don't need anybody, but it's nice to have somebody. You don't. I know. Because you're such a professional. I, so I reached out to, well, Brandy can't do it because she's working all the time. Right. Right. And she doesn't get off until like eight at night. And Brandy would have been great. She would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. So I go to her partner on her podcast, Lindsay. And I said, uh, I, I actually, here's how this went down. <laughs> this Lindsay girl, love her to death. She's a very, very sweet girl, but <laughs> wow, she is a handful. So, uh, so I, I was doing something the other day and she starts blowing my phone up asking for uh, Mad Dog Manny's information. Manny Aurora, the AuroraLawFirm.com. Uh, and I was like, Okay, um, so I, di- I don't think I responded right away. And she's one of those people that if you don't respond to right away, she gets angry. And so she texts me. I mean, like, literally, it was minutes after she... You always think people are angry, though. That's not angry. She's... Well, let me tell you what she said. She goes, <laughs> so you're not going to respond? I guess we're not friends anymore. Like, that's pretty hardcore. I, I mean, I was doing, you know, literally, this is like three minutes from the text message. Uh, I think I was driving, you know, and uh, so I, I couldn't get everything that she needed and have a conversation or something. So I finally, I responded back to her and I said, uh, I go, relax. I was like, I'm sorry, I was doing something. Hold on. I go, let me get you Manny's information. And so I give her Manny's office number and because I needed to do something, you know, I needed to give her something or she, I was afraid she's going to come over and, you know, kill a rabbit in my, in my stove. And so, uh, but at the same time I'm texting Manny and I'm like, Hey Manny, you know, you mind if I give your cell phone number? Uh, it's Lindsay from the network and, and I guess she needs your help. And I, I didn't even put it all together and why she might need his help. And he goes, oh, yeah, give her my cell phone. Not a big deal. I was like, yeah, that's what he does, right? And he helps all of us out and part of the family. Cool. So as I text her the, 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 the office information, she and then I text her the cell phone information. She texts me a couple minutes afterwards, and she goes, wow, that was the quickest conversation I ever had. And I said, 
uh, like uh, now I'm sucked into a text thread when it should have been just ask question return, but it's because she got mad, right? It's because so now it's this whole thing. So now I'm going to make sure she's okay and everything's fine. Again, I'm afraid she's going to come over and kill a rabbit on my stove. <laughs> so, uh, so I said, you know, what happened? She's like, I talked to him and he she gave me the transcript and it was brief and it was short. I mean, he's got things to do and her, it's all about this. You remember the reason why Brandy got fired allegedly was uh, because she got arrested at the Walmart for uh, supposedly stealing makeup and um, cat food. Yeah, but they were together. So they both got arrested for this. I was under the impression that it was all taken care of, that they weren't, they didn't, they're not going to have a court date, but that's not the case. They're, they, they have a case. They're, they're going to court over this. It's like over a year ago. Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that it took that long for them to get a court case. But uh, the she's... surprising part is thinking it's thrown out, you pay the fine, and it's over. The fact that you have to go to court means this is a lot more serious than cat food. So you think that they they didn't tell us the whole truth? Of course not. What, what can you possibly steal from Walmart that would you know, get you five years behind bars? It had to be over a certain threshold value-wise. So it had to be something either five or $10,000 or more. There's no way those two frail girls are stealing five or... T- There's nothing of value of five or $10,000 at Walmart. We don't even know if they were really at Walmart. That's what you fail to realize. Oh, That's wow. just a story you were told. You're really, you're really doubting them now. I watch a lot of investigative TV, okay? Brandy and Lizzie. Investigate. They did something <laughs> sly, okay? They're not telling us, but they did something sly. Well, during this whole process, uh, I asked her if she would come and sit in on the show because mm-hmm. she's been asking me to do this for a while. And I love her. She's Every time she's been on the show, she's been great. And she said, yeah. So I thought Nikki was going to be out uh, for this episode. And so I had texted her uh you know, she was going to be on this episode, come to my house and record with us. And then Nikki was like, no, 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 I'm going to be there. You know, I'm going to be gone after that next couple episodes, but I'll be there. I was like, okay, cool. So, uh, I text her back and I said, Hey, look, just heads up. Don't come, you know, need you next week. Not this week. I'll remind you you're cool. And I never got a response. And I'm like, so you're one of those people that if I don't respond to you, I'm not your friend anymore. But if you don't respond to me, it's cool. So I had to then remember that she didn't respond to me. Thank God I'm good like that. And text her and say, hey, dude, did you get my text? And she, oh, sorry, I thought I text you back. Who thinks they text somebody back? I mean, that sounds a little fishy. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't forget to text somebody back. You do it immediately. That's what's so great about texting. She's busy. Doing what? Lindsay stuff. What is that? Because she's busy stealing things. Out Sounds like you don't public. like her. Do you not like her? <laughs> no, I like you Lindsay. Get that, you I don't get have that any vibe? problem with her. You get that vibe? No, I just think she doesn't like her. She doesn't believe the full story. <clears throat> I don't believe yeah, the story. You, you can forget to text people back. It happens often. Like if you're driving and you don't have voice to text and you look down, you see it, or you're on a treadmill or you're, you know, in a business meeting or something. Yeah, you just be like, oh, yeah, shoot, I thought, because uh, I've even had my parents, they'll, they'll type out a message, and they didn't hit send. I mean, I've done that before, too, actually. But So it happens, but this might be an excuse in this situation. Yeah, thank you very much. I get this vibe you're not a fan of. Am I going to find on our skimmer you talking trash about Lindsay? No. 
<laughs> you will not. And I don't have to talk about people behind their backs. I normally tell you to your face how I feel about you. <laughs> like other uh, shows, a radio show drama? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, that's funny. Remember when there was audio uh, that supposedly of me that somebody recorded trashing the, uh, after, I think it was the afternoon guy and the program director? Yeah. And I was, I was, I forget. Uh, the person that I think it was Brandy was uh, like accidentally recorded, it, you know, cause we're running, rolling tape before interviews and recorded. It. And she felt so horrible. I was like, look, there's nothing that I say, whether it's in this room or not, that I wouldn't say to somebody's face. I don't talk shit. I'm just factual about how I feel. There's a difference, right? I mean, now people say, well, why didn't you say it to their face? Well, if, if they were there, I would say it to their face, but it was within conversation. So I don't know what was said, if I even did say anything, but I addressed it anyway. And I remember I went to the program director and I said, hey, look, I heard there's some audio that was recorded of me, um, you know, talking shit about you and the afternoon guy. I don't know what it is and I don't know what you plan to do with it. I don't even know if it's real. I don't even know what I said, but whatever I said, I meant um, you know, when I, what, if you could rem- tell me what's on the audio, I, I'll tell it to you and I'll tell you why I said it. Oh, I don't know anything about that. You know, then that was a blatant lie. I was like, well, look, if you're going to fucking lie to me, I'm going to lie to you then. I was like, I'm trying to be honest and clear the air here. You know, I mean, there's times that I've talked shit about Nate. There's times I probably talked shit about you, but I would tell don't you. say your- probably you did. Okay. I did. I did talk shit to your face. Yeah. You know, I mean, I told you I didn't want to hire you at, yeah. the, at first, but I was honest about it. Yeah. After the fact. Yeah. You can tell me initially. Well, because it was none of your business. It was my business. <laughs> it was not your you business. talk about me, it's my business. Yeah. But see, I was honest with <laughs> it. I need to know about it. Yeah. So, well. Yeah, see, I, I don't even think that. Ever, I think that recording either never existed or if it did, it was recorded a different way. Because the way that we recorded things in the studio and Brandy said the same thing. She's like, there's no way that it was accidentally recording. So I think something, it either existed and we were sneakily recorded some other way that maybe isn't legal or it just never happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought about that on other ways that people could possibly record us. And don't think that we didn't have the same idea. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. There, there's an archive of some really good shit that unfortunately uh, nobody will hear unless you really piss me off. And then the, somebody will leak it by the name of Benjamin Twang. Button. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Lindsay's supposed to fill in. So hopefully she shows up because uh, I can't count on Brandon. Brandon said he'd be here too, but that kid barely can pull fucking four words out of his mouth. Yeah, Brandon's been ghosting us. I know, really. Brandon, we miss you. Come back. So uh, before, I do have his one question for this week um, because we have to satisfy Sparky's. Is it going to make my head hurt? I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet. I just oh uh, He gosh. just emailed it to me. But I, w- I, was, I was curious with all this, uh, the festivities for the Queen line in state, you know, the whole shebang over there in the UK and everybody going to visit and who's going, who's not going and stuff. I was curious on who got what. And so I Googled the Queen's will because you would think that that would be public information. Do you know that her will will be locked in a London safe for 90 years? And this is the norm that dates back to 1910. Uh, The practice of sealing the wills of dead royals dates back to 1910 and the seldom remembered Prince Francis of Tech, not Georgia, 
whose <laughs> will is one of more than 30 kept in a safe in an undisclosed location in London. Uh, they, I guess they do that so people can't come out of the woodworks and ask for money. It's kind of like releasing the information on JFK. The idea was we'll release certain information after the immediate family is dead. Now, that's what the United States government said, and they did. And the stuff that we got was still bullshit. Yeah. Um, so the will of Queen Elizabeth, uh, uh, if the public could see it, would provide rare insights into the late monarch's wealth. But unlike those of ordinary British citizens, hers will be sealed and locked in a safe for 90 years. Uh, so then how do they divvy out stuff? I, I guess it's there's one person in charge of it. I would assume there's one person in charge of it. And if you got something out of it, you got something out of it. But I wonder how much money she really has. Like, because she's not, see, I don't, this is something that I've never, I've never even thought about. You just think that they're all wealthy and they are, there's tons of money there. They, they, but usually wealthy people, you know, they, everything's handed to them. They're not paying, they're not going to bed, bad. They're not going like, Oh dear, I need to get a new pillow. I'm going to go over to TJ Maxx. I'll be right back. You know, they're not doing that. It's just automatically appears. You just, you think it and somebody brings it to you. So they're not getting paid by the, they're not on salary. They just have money. Do they have their own bank accounts? Like, how does that work when you get to that level? I've asked the wealthiest people in the world, namely Richard uh, Branson. I said, how much money do you carry in your wallet? I interviewed him years and years ago. I was endorsing his airline and he came on great guy, totally good dude. And I said, how much money do you have in your wallet? He goes, what wallet? <laughs> that was his answer. Kid you not. What wallet? I said, you, you, don't, you don't carry a wallet? No. How do you pay for things? He didn't know. Wow. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even know how he pays for things. Doesn't even know he doesn't have to have his ID to go places. Mm-mm. That's crazy. Yeah, he doesn't have his Sam's Club card or anything. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Well, lucky for him, Sam's Club stopped checking your shit. <laughs> okay. They check mine. Uh, let's see. The judge revealed the existence of the safe containing the royal wills, and that, as the current president of the family division, he was in charge of it, even though he had no knowledge of the contents of the sealed documents. The late queen's will, when it is deposited in the safe alongside her husband's, will will join those of the mother Elizabeth and since sister Princess Margaret, which side note is what the government hospital, who the government hospital is named after in Nassau, Bahamas. It's a horrible hospital. So I'm assuming Princess Margaret was a horrible person who both died in 2002. Margaret's will was the subject of a 2007 legal challenge by Robert Brown, who claimed to be the princess's Ill- illegitimate son and who wanted to see it in order to advance his claim. The courts rejected his belief as irrational and he was not given access. So that's, that's probably why they do it. Hmm. I would think, you know, so people, yeah. So it's not like they're not, not dealing out what is owed to people. No, it's just not public knowledge. Correct. Yeah. Some, I mean, somebody knows about it. Somebody knows, but again, how much money does she have? She's worth $430 million. Dang. That's what Google says. But, but, how did she get paid? That's my question. You know what? You understand what I'm saying? Is like, like who gave her the money is what you want to know. Yeah. Like she, she's not going, 
oh, you know, before I die, if I keep going on the path that I'm going, I'll have $435 million in the bank. <laughs> She's not doing that. So they don't get paid from the government like our presidents do? I don't know the answer to that question. Hmm. I have no idea. I wish I did. I don't. I have no idea. But I thought about that because, you know, you've got Harry and William and, you know, the Meghan Markle and the Kate Middleton and there's the beef and, you know, the media is trying to make it a big deal as they were following the casket. They were on two different sides and, you know, who wants what? And there was even a story it's like, is that Meghan Markle smirking behind the casket? <laughs> it's like, it's like they, want to, they want so much drama uh, the the to make these stories uh after this woman passes away and dies, you know, and then of course everybody takes the political side of thank God she's dead. She didn't do a damn thing anyway. Who needs a monarch anymore? You know, stop ruling over our country. Let us be free and that kind of stuff. Because they the the British are still rulers over a lot of small places, including the Bahamas. I mean, that's that that they're they're under British rule. Um, so, uh, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it, but they're still under British rule. Like if they want to change something in the Bahamas, I guess they can change it. So hmm. Yeah. It looks, it looks like, um, the, everybody gets like an annual salary. Um, the one they have listed here, like, uh, Prince Andrew, uh, he was getting paid 300,000 a year before stepping back from the public duties because of that Epstein scandal, I guess. Um, Good move. but it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like it's paid through a mix of private and public funds. They do get money from the government. It's called the Sovereign Grant, and it pays about $100 million a year. Uh, let's see. Between 2018 and 2019, the Sovereign Grant was $106 million. Um, and it looks like then they also have properties that do, like, charity events and stuff, and they have private interests and stuff. So I'm sure they're just invested in things, and they do different galas and stuff where they raise money. And it's, I was reading, um, was it uh, King Charles just inherited a 685-year-old estate worth $1 billion. Yeah, money, so, money, money, money. so it looks like the government pays a little bit and that's to keep the palaces up, you know, keep them doing their, their appearances and shit like that. And then also they have their own private money. I wonder if they need a real estate agent. I wonder if you sell it. Hook them up with Rach. I don't know if she's got a license in the UK. <laughs> I have to get one. Yeah. I told her that the other day. I said, I was reading a, a article about Mariah Carey's house in Atlanta up for sale and it shows the real estate agent. And I was like, Oh, do you know who this woman is like Shannon something or another? She's like, oh, I know of her. I, I think I met her once or something. She's very nice. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you sell a house like this, we don't have to work for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah. I, go, I go, I can appreciate you selling some of the houses that you're selling. That's great. But can you throw in a Mariah Carey every once in a while? <laughs> I was like, she's like, she's old Georgia. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I go, I guarantee Mariah Carey would really like you over her. <laughs> you should you should yeah. tap her into the uh Shannon was not her name we um interviewed who does real estate I'm sure she does the celebrity houses oh Gina uh Gina Riggs yeah yeah you Gina Riggs. put Rachel up with her yeah well she can probably hook her up I think I said that in the conversation I don't know if we run it yet or not but okay. um anyway so that's it I I brought it up because one I thought it was interesting two when I did 
uh, read the story. I didn't have time to do the research. I could have easily done what Nate did, but that's the beauty of working with uh, Nader Taters is that when you're too lazy to do something research wise, you just bring it up and you get educated because he's, he's, he's fast on the ball. Yeah. We're reading the same article. <laughs> Nikki as well. <laughs> Nikki's good on the ball. It's from Oprah, Oprah Daily, so it must be true. Yep, that's what I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, do one question with Brandon, who's not here. One question with Brandon. Let's go, Brandon! Let's go, Brandon! All sponsored by Sparky's Lawn Service. Sparky's Lawn Service, veteran-owned, operated since 2020. Am I doing good? <laughs> yeah, twenty. He does a really poor read, but it sounds so good. I don't know if I'm going to pull it off. Sparky's Lawn Service sponsoring my segment. Veteran known, operated since 2020. Sparky's Lawn Service, owned by Andrew Sparks, awesome dude, was created during the height of the pandemic to give homeowners the break with their lawn care needs. So right now, you need some help with your lawn, whatever it may be. You give Andrew Sparks a call. Actually, text him. It's better. 706-897-2199. Get a hold of Andrew Sparks. 706-897-2199. Sparky's mom serves. Left out the, the, the Gmail if they want to. No, if you want to email them, if you do that, nobody does that. <laughs> Bailey. Sparky's lawn at gmail.com. Sparky's lawn at symbol. Gmail dot symbol com. At symbol dot symbol. All right, let me find it. Here's this question. When the cool weather is finally here, you can feel the breeze in the air, which means the leaves are going to start falling soon, and you're going to want a guy to come chop them up. Oh, shit. He's doing it. <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't listened to that. So. Oh, now we can compare. Yeah. All right, Nikki, cool one out of ten. Fine. Who did it better? Who did it better? All right, here we go. But a cool weather is finally here. You can feel the breeze in the air, which means the leaves are going to start falling soon, and you're going to want a guy to come chop them up, get rid of them, you know, do your mowing, your trimming, your edging on your lawn, also to get it ready for this fall. We'll give Sparky's Lawn Service a call. Andrew Sparks, veteran-owned and operated since 2020, baby. You can give him a call or give him a text at 706-897-2199 or shoot him an email at the Gmail extension, sparkyslawn at gmail.com. See? All right, so if you were transported back to the Revolutionary War, what's one item you'd bring with you? If you were transported, first off, who did the read better? <laughs> oh, I'm going with Brandon. Uh, he, he nailed it. Yeah, he did. The wind blowing was pretty good. <laughs> he nailed yeah. it. I, I can't compete with that, so he wins that. All right, so the question, and I, I, I can't go back. Uh, so do you remember the question? If you, Oh, you could go back to the Revolutionary War. What would you bring back? Bring back with you to the war? No, I think bring back here. Shit. Oh. Do we have to listen to this again? <laughs> I think he's yeah. saying if you could go back and bring something from the war here, what would you bring back that's here what I from got the to. war? Yes. yes, that's what I got Oh, to. I got that. He, if you're going back into the war times, what would you bring from now? Like you need to bring like a machine gun or something. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's answer it both ways because I'm not going to listen. Okay. I'm not going to play it again. Uh, so go ahead, Nate. You can answer it both ways. Well, either of these aren't like the normal question. They're not like a hypothetical question there where there's no real kind of answer. These are just like, you know, if you were a piece of pizza, what topping would you be and why? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I guess if I was going back to the war, I'd bring the biggest gun or the biggest uh, weapon I had because I could help win the war. And if I was back there, there's nothing I would bring back because it didn't seem like a fun time to be alive. It was a horrible time to be alive. Um, Nikki? I'd want one of those little musket gun things that you put the balls in it and it shoot out. I think those are cool. Those are called guns. Yeah, but they was called musket guns or something, weren't they? Mullet guns? Mullet gun, yeah. Those, yeah, I will yeah, one that's what of Brandon those. has. Yeah, <laughs> those guns were a party in the front and uh, business in the back. Yep, I want one of those <laughs> ball guns. And if I had to take something from here back to the war, I'd probably take me a big sack of, like, different foods or MREs, MRIs that we have in the military to eat and survive out in the war. Mm. That's probably what I'd take back. All right, well, I'd be a hero, and I would go back with a tank. And I would destroy the French. <laughs> and as they lined up, as they did do, during those days, uh, I, before I pulled the lid down on the tank, I'd turn to the band and say, not a good place for you guys. It's not going to work out for you. <laughs> You'll see this in about 100 years. We're going to change shit up a lot. So why don't you guys back off and not stand in the front of where the bullets are coming because you have no gun. Appreciate the music. That's cool. You'll learn about smart speakers in the future. So, I'd got, and then I'd close the, the, the hatch <laughs> of my tank and I'd say, all right, boys, follow me. And that's how they fought. They just sat there and they looked at each other and shot guns. And I'd be like, you're fucked because you can't do anything to me. And I just unload and the revolutionary war would be done quickly. And I'd be the hero. They call me Tank Bailey. Hey, go back to the 1700 <laughs> Tank Bailey. When the revolutionary war just showed up with a big piece of metal. Or, or the French would be like, why is he shooting at us? They're fighting Great Britain, not French. Uh, we're firing the French. Oh, no, the French resistance. That's sorry. Great Britain. Yeah, I'm, I'm by far. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Why are they shooting us? They're supposed to be at the Great Britain. Well, if you let me finish. So some of the French piss me off. And they're like, oh, look at the stupid uh, car. And I'll be like, fuck you. And then I got for the British. So. I, I, I got I got my I'm thinking about my movies, you know, because I got Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger with me on this one. Right. Uh, now, if I'm coming. What, what yeah. What I, are you bringing back? What am I bringing back? I, I got to be I got to be honest with you. Like, can I be single for this yeah. hypothetical? I think I'm bringing back a chick. Oh, you like how the ladies look back then? No, I just think that they that would be kind of I mean. It'd be different. I mean, who doesn't want a big, hairy, smelly bush? <laughs> but but we can work on all that stuff. You're going to give her a nice bath, clean her up? Yeah. I mean, I can mold her into the present-day girl that I want her to be, but she would be different. But she'd still have the mindset of back then. Yeah. She'd have the mind. Everything would be new and exciting. You'd be Ooh. like, hey, you want to go through a drive through What's a drive through <laughs> <laughs> Meet through a window. I love you so much. <laughs> you would like me to be with another woman? Okay. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but, oh, uh, to be fair, the French and Spanish were involved in the Revolutionary War, but they were on our side. Well, some of them were. Some of them were dicks. Yeah. 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 Those are the ones I'm picking up. <laughs> or if, like, what else could you bring back that's, like, worth money now? Because, like, a lot of the things, like like a, a musket gun, you can still find those now. But, like, what's something that you, we could bring back from the war that might be worth a lot of money now? Well, gold. I mean, so 
So, like, if you watch uh, the Patriot, right? So we were waiting. The French came to help save our ass, and 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 we waited for the French to show up, and they took forever, right? So that was the whole thing. As the the, the British were just running rampant across the country, uh, and they were killing all of us. And so, but they, they, they had, they had wealth, they had gold that they brought that they, they had with them. So that money's still somewhere, you know, and if you're able to cut off one of those carriages with the, the, the King's gold or whatever it was like, again, in the movie, you know, they, they get the, uh, the, they, they stop the, the carriage with all the, the gold, but it's got the book of Cornwallis and, you know, Mel Gibson's like, I'm in the mind of a genius. And then they say the other way to beat Cornwallis is to use his ego against him. But they fought fair, unlike, well, I'm sure, I know a lot of this was Hollywood, but in the movie The Patriot, the war started to change when they started to not fight fair. But Cornwallis was a man of honor. And that's how they fought during those days, is that we will fight like gentlemen. We will not backstab, may the best man win. We will line up one against each other, and we will pull the gun, you know, and we'll shoot at each other. <laughs> that's how they did it right so I'd, right. Br- I'd bring back the gold that's what i'm saying i'd probably bring back like if i was if i was fighting with uh george washington I'd probably bring like his teeth back or maybe i'd sneak in and steal the Decla- declaration of independence oh that's good oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or apple yeah. from the apple tree doing an apple from the apple tree oh okay. george washington yeah no, i know i know the story mm-hmm. an apple tree yeah, is, is he making apple juice? No, is this, what, he chopped it down. Because he chopped down the apple tree. Yeah. He also no, I think was, it was a cherry tree, and I think that was Abraham Lincoln, maybe. No, you fucked up. I thought it was George Washington. Yeah. That's what I was always taught. Well, maybe he brought apples with him when he crossed the Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it, it is George Washington, but it was a cherry tree. So... We we figured it out. So you're SOL on your apples. You're they gonna taught have to, us wrong in school. You're going to have to... Uh, well, the school you probably went to, they did. <laughs> in my defense, I learned that in school in Germany. Her teacher was like, "If you were, if you were a black guy, you would have eaten apples. But the stupid white guy wants cherries. What a dumbass! Who's seen a cherry tree? Nobody has ever seen a cherry tree. Not in that part of the world. You want an apple? It's apple season. That's when he's. That's probably what it was. I think most people definitely relate George Washington to an apple tree. No, I've never wrong. heard that before in my life. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, you know, and it's like when Ben Franklin was flying a drone in the in the rain, and that's how he discovered electricity. <laughs> Take a pole. <laughs> the, old, the old Ben Franklin drone story. Got to find a nickel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Um, that was probably the worst one question he's ever had. But he's having some computer issues or something. I don't know what the problem is, but I don't know. Anyway. Uh, we made the big announcement on this episode, Podcast Imports 2. Uh, I don't have to rehash it because that's not how podcasting works. Just please, podcastthebs.com, get your tickets. Let's blow this up. It's going to be awesome. The Verve Pipe is one of my favorite bands. We have booked the Verve Pipe for our Halloversary party. I mean, come on, dude. It's fucking cool. Like, like this is fucking cool. Uh, and that's just what it is. It's just fun. That's why, that's why I should have named it. Fucking cool. That's what the yeah. podcast imports too. Just fucking cool. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also on the website, merch. Uh, what I, it, I don't even know if I should bring this up. What I'm thinking, Nate, um, before you go off to Greece, 
is I have create graphics working on all the stuff or they've done all the stuff I should say by now uh, for podcast imports too. Maybe we should do a podcast imports two shirt available in the merch store. If people want to buy it before the event, we can do that. Yeah. And do a limited run up until October 29th or maybe November two or something like that. So that was an idea I'm kicking around. We will have merch. Um, I'm going to load up on some, Really cool merch uh, for the event, but you can always go to our merch store, podcastthebs.com, but I want to get like hats and beanies and stuff like that, that you can, uh, that you can get at the, uh, at the event. Um, all of our social media is up there. Top three, all the playlists are now up there. It's a really cool feature on the website that Nate has done. If you'd like to be a sponsor, not only of Podcast Imports 2, but of the show in general, I would love it. We need it. Um, you can reach out to us from the website, again, or any of the social media. I think I got everything else there. Uh, subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, that helps us out tremendously. Oh, here's the other thing. is I know I've been pushing this a lot to share our social media. Please continue to do it. It's catching on. I'm starting to see a lot of YouTube percenters. If you actually care about us... And you want this show to succeed. You want this project to succeed. You will not only buy tickets to Podcast Imports 2, you'll become a subscriber and you'll share a social media. Man, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to, that's what you do to support something that you believe in. If it were you, like the guy that asked me to go vote for his dog, I went and voted for his dog like five different times when I found out you could vote for it after every hour. I think his dog's Charlie. Oh yeah, I saw that post. Because that's what we do. We help each other out. To share our social media takes two seconds to somebody in your network, and we might gain a new listener. And every listener counts. So please, if you don't mind. All right, Nate, you got anything before we get out? Uh, get your tickets now. Podcast and Boards 2. There you go. Love it. Now, Nikki D. Share, support, and repeat. Oh, I like that. All right. Have yourself a great, safe rest of your day. Very excited about the future, right? Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Always thanks for the support. All right. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastbs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.